Hey, Starting Nine listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. That's it my- is the Dallas Braden birthday oh, episode. Happy birthday, Dallas. Yeah, buddy. You can't fake that kind of enthusiasm. You really can't. It's just coming in hot on a, on a damn birthday. It's Dallas Braden's birthday today. Uh, it's a lot of birthdays. A lot of birthdays today, but none more important than Dallas Braden's. Um, <clears throat> it's your age what season? Uh, after doing some quick math here, I yep. have, it is my age 37 season. 37? Age 37. Holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. It is. I, I gotta tell you, I didn't think I would be here. Not at 37. No. No. Where, no, where I, do you think you'd be? Uh, well, I'd hope to still be on a baseball field somewhere. At 37? No. Left-handed, Jared. Left-handed. Left-handed. I mean, like, you're not this, Mark Burley. No, the last three years of this career would have been spent, like, logging 36 innings. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, 20 punch-outs because I'm going and getting the lefty. Yeah, That's this would have been, like, the back end of an extension that the A's regretted yes. tremendously. Holy, like, there's nowhere to put me. Yeah. But the fans like him. Yeah. And, uh, he's basically a mascot. We're paying him for the jersey sales at this point. We're kind of recouping some of the costs to put him out on the field. Uh, it is it is what it is, you know. It's, it's maybe you'd probably be like the first like two way player, like not like Shohei Otani, where it's like he's a pitcher and a position player, but like he'll pitch and then to recoup some of the costs, he'll be on the broadcast on the days between his starts. Well, I will also be. Yeah, I will just be breaking down. Like if it's a blowout. Seven runs or more, I'm allowed to just head up to the booth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really not the guy. Like, And if it's a close ball game, mm-hmm. they let me just go up to the booth because I'm prop my phone. You're not you going to pitch in that one yeah, either. That, yeah. That ring probably isn't for me. So, I yeah. Can't. Yeah. No, I feel like, yeah, that's actually that's, a good idea. Maybe you could go back to them now and be like, hey, uh, since the rosters have expanded, we're not talking 25 anymore. If you guys get to like 40 active or like 40 plus active like if we're allowed to do like the 60 man pool is all active give me a shot so i've got my blitz ball strike zone in tow with me that thing makes the trip every time i go yeah. to northern california so i feel like at any point in time i could showcase what i have in the gas tank and mm-hmm. really leave no doubt i could go get you an out right yeah now like if i have the ability to to move it up like i don't know 45 feet or so like that's right i'm there You've also you've also been uh, crushing the Peloton. Um, so, like, w- would you say that you feel better physically today compared to the day that you retired, or were you were you still just because you were in your actual professional athlete window that you were in better shape then than you are now? Uh, I was shredded and could run like a fucking deer, Jared, mm. like a deer. And now that's just not the case. Well, I'm still shredded. Sorry about that. Uh, not, <laughs> as, not as, but nowhere near as big as I, as I was. I was walking around 190 pounds, almost 200 pounds. And now I'm like one fucking 75, 180, like just yeah. a little bitch of a shell of us of my, of myself. So I, not so much these days. Yeah. But yeah the, Pel- the Peloton has, has really upped the game. Yeah, it really has. It has. It has. Yeah, so, I saw you puking. Shout out to Peloton. Yeah, shout out to Peloton. Uh, we got a lot to get into on this particular episode. Um, you know, I wish you a happy birthday. Are you going to congratulate me on breaking the biggest uh, baseball story yesterday? 
Oh, was that the um, because you know I didn't know what angle you were taking here, Jared, because you've you've said it yourself. I'm a yeah. newsbreaker reactor, yeah. not a news breaker. No, I agree so, with that. So here here's let me let me just clarify. I'm not a news breaker, but I can break news. Sure, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? Like that you're not sense. you're not a track star, but you right. could run track. Right. It's like I've been telling people, you know, they've been asking me like, oh, the, you know, laser Ramon suspension. What's that yeah. look like? And I, all I can really tell you is yep. uh, from what I know or understand, maybe three right. to four games. That's, but that's, right. you know, that's just me. I'm not the right. newsbreaker telling you that. Right. Yeah. Me neither. It's just kind of like a situation where I, I love the audience. I love yep. the grounds crew. I love baseball fans. So, I mean, if something comes across my way, I feel like a newsbreaker would look for news to break. Whereas a guy like me, mm-hmm. if maybe this information is offered to me unsolicited, who am I to deny the audience of that information? Right. So that's where do, that comes from. And you do your level best. You do your homework mm-hmm. and you, you make sure that the sources are credible and the source, yeah. the sources uh, I'm sure that you were dealing with are more than credible. It's sure. almost like, like it almost has the tint of like, straight from the horse's mouth type stuff. And that's exactly (laughs) what you look for in your unbiased national Mm -hmm. baseball reporting. 1000%. You know, I was, I I was excited because I saw Jeff Passan break the news that he had found out from you. Yeah. You know, essentially it's kind of how, that's how I took that tweet, Jeff. I'm not sure if that's how you meant it, but that's Mm -hmm. exactly how I took it was, Hey, I'm Jeff Passan pretty sweet at my job however completely got my pants blown off here <laughs> by one jared carabas yeah they it was with the force of a rocket that mm-hmm. my pants were knocked off when it comes to nailing this story joe kelly suspension mm-hmm. five i mean that's yeah that's how i took it i don't know if that's how he Me meant too. it but that's well you know jeff passan to his credit he gets it he does. like when it, what, the second that i saw uh, well, the second that I put the, the story out there and then I saw Passan obviously gave me credit. I was like, there's no chance Ken Rosenthal is going to cite me. There's no chance John Heyman's going to cite me. Bob Nightingale, to his credit, he did. Uh, but the national guys, they, they fucking hate with a poison having to credit uh, Barstool or me it, any, specifically. Any, anybody. They, they hate giving love to anybody that ain't them. If it ain't for the brand. Then- I don't know, though, because, like, a guy like Rosenthal, like, he, he's got no problem citing other, like, like credible writers. And then he'll leave. If, if, there's, if there's, like, a fucking. I'm going to need that like, clipped off. I'm going to need that clipped off. Go ahead. If there's other, like, Joe Blow, like, random dudes on Reddit that had it first. He has no problem like being like, yeah, fucking uh, Joey uh, Bag of Donuts fucking 38575 on Reddit had this story first. But if I do it, no, 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 no. no he well, won't do that. That's because what's Joey Bag of Donuts got to do with what Ken Rosenthal is doing, right? He can throw yeah. Joey Bag of Donuts a bone and Joe BD is... <laughs> Joe BD. It's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal to him because yeah. that's going to be the one and only nugget he's going to unearth and give to the world. And Ken right. Rosenthal is like... Yeah, everybody throw Joe BD here some love. <laughs> Give him a shout. He's a cute fan. Yeah. Love this guy. Give him a follow on Twitter. You, right. on the other hand, right. can't happen. Like, no one, like, not trying to give me that shine. Nope. They're trying to hold us back, Dallas. Ain't they don't want to see us win. No, they don't like want to see us win. It's like trying to keep Juan Soto in, in the yard. It's like trying yeah, to you keep can't Juan do that Soto either. Did you, see, did you see my take 
uh, that I tweeted the other day about pull homers versus oppo tacos? Yeah, don't agree. I mean, I understand. What you don't saying. agree. No, no, I know it's because you're wrong. You know, a pulled homer, a pulled homer, can look significantly farther than it is, and that's where you're going is the aesthetics, the way it just looks off the bat, the way the swing looks, the way the finish looks at home plate. Like that's the opportunity to pose a guy up, and you know, a solid bat flip, wherever you might be coming from that. When I think about a home run just looking tasty. I think about, I think about a home run that Chris Davis hit last year, and you're like, really, Dallas? Another fucking Oakland A story. Here's the take-home message: He's right-handed, and he hit this ball into the second fucking deck at the ballpark in Arlington. Yeah, and he hit it with top spin. You know who else does that? Joey Gallo. Joey, <laughs> Joey Gallo's left-handed, folks, and Joey yeah. Gallo only does that, Jared, if he's hitting a pull side homer. So yeah. when I see Chris Davis, he's talking in, about rare occurrences though. Like pull no. homers are just like, they just make you feel like we, when you can, you can at least admit to this, a pull homer squared up off the bat. You can tell it's gone opposite field. You're kind of like, eh, does it have a chance? Like, eh, I'm not sure. Like I need to know, like, that's what gets me that little, mm, like what? off the bat. It's not, it's not about how eventually how far it goes. Like, Knowing that it's gone on contact is what does it for me. And the only person, I'll see if you can get this, because he's uh, he's starting nine alumni. Gonna, hold on, before you even before you even go any farther, okay. let me say it, and yeah. then, well, I'm I'm gonna say this. Does his name start with an M? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then continue. Go ahead. The only, uh, the only person that, that I can recall off the top of my head that would hit opposite field homers that you could tell off the bat were just fucking smoked and gone. And, and it still gave me the same sort of like jolt of energy that a pole Homer does. He's a lefty. Yelly. He's retired. Who? Giambi. We didn't have a Giambi on this show. Did we not have Giambi? No. Well, maybe I'd love to have him though. Cause we talked about, maybe that was the conversation we were having in the bar the night before. Okay. Maybe. Uh, lefty, what, Jim Tomey? Have we had Jim Tomey on this? Where the fuck are you getting these names from? We've never interviewed Jim Tomey. I'm thinking of all the uh, 37 years of just frying brain cells. <laughs> Dallas Braden thinks that we've interviewed Jason Giambi and Jim Tomey. Just well, never happened. Just well, never happened. Well, well, I don't even a, think we've been in the same room together. One's a teammate and the other guy, I, and I know Jim, so I'm, I don't know. I've had <laughs> conversations with him. Uh, Fuck, yeah, we, I don't know. I know him. He's in my phone book, so I think that means that we've interviewed him on the podcast. Um, Retired lefty hits no doubter opposite field homers off the bat. Just crushes him. Wow. And we've interviewed him on this podcast. How many people have we interviewed on this podcast that have been like retired players and retired and can just yeah. drop dick with no question like that. Yeah. Like, no question. Like when I tell you, you're going to be like, Oh fuck. Like, Oh, I knew that. Oh my God. It was God. with It's within the last year. What? Uh, <laughs> James Loney. <laughs> oh yeah that was over the phone i was like did we i remember we met him yeah we at the win- yeah we, we i think the interview was a phoner yes. but we met him in person at the winter yes. meetings yes yes which, which is also where we interviewed this person you idiot 
But I feel I, I feel like if I had asked you this question on any day but your birthday where you had already started drinking, um <laughs> and like twenty bong rips in at like uh like nine AM. Yeah. Uh, the answer is Ryan Howard. Oh no, no shit. Absolutely yeah. big piece. Yeah, Ryan Howard, that dude, when he would hit opposite field tanks. You knew it. You knew it. But he was also one of those guys where when he fucking pulled them, he yanked them and they would go in the third deck. So this is what I was going to say is there's a guy, alumni of starting nine now, who hits pull side homers and he doesn't have a bat flip. But the way he lays the bat down or the way he finishes from the pull side, Mm -hmm. like really, Mike Yastrzemski. The way Yaz just because he's short to the baseball, boom, and then just lays the bat down like it's almost like a fucking I, – I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like maybe, I don't know, maybe after a long night at the bar, you come home, you've struck out, and you're in the, you're in the bathroom trying to start that skin fire, and it's been, it's been <laughs> smoking for like 20 minutes. And finally, finally you can start to feel the heat rise, and eventually you, <laughs> you achieve combustion, and you're like, oh, it was it was just so quick and so short, but so worth it. That's where Yaz on on the pull side homer bat drop yeah. takes me is just like that. Oh, oh. <laughs> and it's over. But it was like fuck, that was so worth it. Yeah, but you earned it. But you earned oh, it. You absolutely earned it. Yeah, just those, like those, those the Astros sweat, in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Earn it. Earn history. <laughs> Um, did you, I know that we were going to talk about the Juan Soto Homer, but did you hear this Joe Kelly podcast? No. Uh, Joe Kelly went on, uh, uh, chicken strip. Yep. He went on striplings podcast and just aired it out. Um, you got to hear, I go listen to it. I think we're going to get him next week. I, I know that we usually don't tease guests that we haven't like 100% locked down, but like I'm pretty sure Joe Kelly is going to come on the podcast we're next week. On yeah, we're working on it. We're, we're working the phones on that one. Uh, but go listen to Stripling's podcast with Joe Kelly because he pulls no punches. Like he's just kind of like um, talking about the process of the suspension and the fines uh, and like his history sort of with, with being in these hearings. You know, like like a guy that defends himself usually i guess like if a player gets suspended or fined or something like that and you go to appeal it it's rare for the player to actually show up in the 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 hearing joe kelly went uh he went um he went when he got suspended in 2018 for the brawl with the yankees and uh he was present for the appeal that happened yesterday eight games down to five games and yeah this is this is going to be one of those things where we kind of look back on it and Whenever, whenever there's like a hearing or an appeal, you want to reference things that happened before as a precedent to either defend yourself or to double down on the decision that's been made. And if you look at this case with Joe Kelly, like what type of precedent are you sending when he didn't hit anybody, he didn't fight anybody, and the whole thing with like Ramon Laureano getting five games and, you know, maybe perhaps that's three or four games now, uh, he charged the dugout. So there was physical contact. Joe Kelly walked away from 
the problem, which was Carlos Correa. So he, you know, this whole thing about, well, you can't incite the fucking brawls and you can't have these like bench clearing incidents. Like, well, he, all he did was like make a funny face. So he got five games for making a funny face. What type of precedent does that set? Well, that's where the effort from Manfred was what it was. And I told you why it was what it was. He told us what was going to happen should something like what Joe Kelly did with air quotes would happen, right? And you can't throw at these guys. I'm going to make the suspension hurt. I'm going to do it because if you're going to throw at these guys based on the protection I've granted them, we're going to have an issue. Mm -hmm. If you throw at these guys and we end up with a benches clearing brawl, well, I've told you that that can't happen because of the pandemic. So you taking this action would effectively ignite two of the instances that I've told you I will fucking crucify you for if you, you do something that leads us to either a brawl with the Astros because you've been throwing at these guys or a brawl period in baseball because we're amidst a global pandemic and we just can't do that. So mm. Joe Kelly shows up, takes issue, and lets a few of them go. A few, few breaking balls spit out of the back of his hand and he throws a pouty face at some guys, and now he's wearing an eight-gamer and then has to get it reduced to a five-gamer, all for what, as you yeah. just laid out? No contact with anyone, no benches cleared, every, everybody, we're good. He walked, away from, he walked away from the, the frogs. He didn't hit anyone, and he, yeah. But you've, I, got to, you've, got to put the, you've got to put the parameters up, though, Jared, and that's what you've got to understand is, if you've already been on the record as Rob Manford was about telling you what's going to come if you do something like this and what's going to come if you do something like that, he had no choice. Just like whether you like it or not, he had no choice but to grant the Astros players immunity to get the answers he wanted. And the error has come in not understanding that you were going to create this shield this bubble around the Astros that everybody would be lining up to penetrate if you're not going to allow the game to shake itself out to an extent. If you're constantly going to be popping up and giving the Astros a skirt to hide behind, then there's going to be issues. Guys are yeah. just going like, you know, instead of the bully picking on you on the playground, the bully's going to be waiting for you at the bus stop. The bully's now going to follow you home and that's because around every corner you've set up these protections you've got the principal's office on notice you've got the yard duty teacher on note everybody's looking out for it and you're guarding it if you didn't know that that was coming well that's your fault and yours alone and it yeah and, and that's where the joe kelly shit comes from is he's trying to prevent continued head hunting and i don't mean throwing at the actual head i mean trying to throw it an astro and he doesn't want any more situations like you saw between the A's and the Astros because we don't need one team, two teams, four teams not playing baseball like the St. Louis Cardinals mm -hmm. are not playing baseball. Yeah, there's there's two things, two points that I want to bring up from the Joe Kelly interview that he did. Um, you actually mentioned one of the words, spitting. Yeah, Joe Kelly brings up an interesting point where he gets hit with eight games for missing them and then walking away and then making a funny face. Eight games for that, which is now knocked down to five. 
Carlos Correa, I mean, like, they talk about how, like, how the severity of the coronavirus and we want to limit all this. Spitting Carlos Correa spit, spit at the Dodgers. Nothing. Nothing. And, like, you know, you, you talk about, uh, like, Alex Cintron and oh. Joe Kelly as two people that incited it. Like, they got, like, Cintron didn't do it. Like, all he did was incite Ramon Laureano 20 games. Joe Kelly makes a face. <laughs> at the Astros and Carlos Correa. Eight games. Carlos Correa spit at the Dodgers, which is A, inciting. You've already suspended two people essentially for inciting. And you said no spitting, no gum, no chewing tobacco like because of the coronavirus. Yeah, you have him on camera spitting at so, the other team. So let me Zero play, games. Let no me punishment. Play, nothing. No fine. Play, nothing. Let me play devil's advocate here. Give me some past history for Carlos Correa. You can't. I don't think that it's necessary. Like if you're if you're no, no, gonna no, say no, 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 your opinion on whether it's necessary or not doesn't mean dick right now when we're talking about this. I'm trying to ask you. There's no history for Carlos Correa, so him spitting or whatever is kind of like his first offense. And you're gonna say Dallas, the sign stealing the book. No, no, no. He was granted immunity for that. So as far as being on the record about any transgressions. Any history with Alex? But you, you said, what was it? Uh, I don't know if, it, if we were on the air or not, but you said you got, I, oh, we were talking to Bauer when you said you got like a nice little letter, like a warning sure. from the league. Mm -hmm. how, how, how does he not even get that? Well, that's, I, again, because, oh, you're talking about from this last instance, from him spitting or whatever. Yeah. Like so if you're going to say, if you're going to take this seriously and say, hey, the coronavirus is real. We don't want any bench clearing incidents. We're going to be socially distancing. Like it, they specifically mentioned spitting and he spit at the team. Like that's at least a warning. Sure. And if that did happen, he, no, that's not public information. The only reason you know about what I went through and had happen to me is because I told you that doesn't get released to the media. That's not even available to the media. That is mm -hmm. an in-house MLB PA, MLB commissioner's office communication. That's, that's mm -hmm. what that is. So if that did happen, we wouldn't know about it. The idea about Joe Kelly though, and the suspension and the, my God, eight games that is coming from again, a place where Joe Kelly has been identified as a guy with some history regarding policing the game. Yeah. And when Manfred has shown that that's a hill he is willing to die on. Well, now you're already in the crosshairs, Joe Kelly, because you have history. And now you're even more in the crosshairs because I told you don't throw at these kids. And now you're even more in the crosshairs because I told you if you throw at these kids, it's going to cause a brawl and we can't have benches clear during a pandemic. So Joe Kelly having history, Joe Kelly doing two things that he was told not to do because it would result in what happened is why Joe Kelly wore what he wore initially and why it's down to five games for Cintron. That guy had history, mm -hmm. right? He wasn't granted immunity per se. The commissioner's office knows what they know about him and his involvement. The video was what it was. There's no fucking denying what that guy was doing on the top step. So if you're looking for any correlation between Manfred's reaction regarding the individual who has history, he's stayed consistent in that regard with Joe Kelly wearing the eight gamer and Cintron wearing the 20 gamer, knowing that there's history with those guys. Yeah. Um, and then the last kind of big point to take out of uh, 
the Joe Kelly interview with chicken strips, um, very, very, very passionately defends Alex Cora. Uh, he, in doing so, comes after the Astros players who had immunity that ratted out and scapegoated other people that cost those individuals their jobs and their ability to provide for their families. Yep. So like that's when you look at uh, the incident with, the, with Joe Kelly and the Houston Astros and the individuals that it happened with, you know, like he's not throwing at uh, Michael Brantley who wasn't there in 2017. Like this is not an individual that was granted immunity to talk about what happened in 2017. He threw at Carlos Correa who was there and a big player and Alex Bregman, who was a big player, and he was there. Uh, so when he's talking about this, he's like, I just, I don't have respect for, <clears throat> he's like, I, you know, if they have, like, immunity, that's fine. Like, you guys can, like, you're, uh, he basically talks about accountability. Like, if I did that, I own up to it. But these guys, uh, they just, they ratted out other people in exchange for immunity, and those people, lost their jobs. And obviously Joe Kelly played for Alex Cora in Boston. He says, I love him like a, like a member of my family. And now he's talked about how, you know, AC's daughter had to like change schools because she was getting harassed by people because of what happened to her dad. And like, that's, that's fucking heartbreaking shit to hear. So you could understand why a guy like Joe Kelly, uh, who loves Alex Cora knows his family would be extra upset at players like Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa, who in exchange for immunity uh, would have to go and rat out individuals like Alex Cora. And that doesn't mean that, that like Alex Cora is more guilty than uh, Bregman and Correa or vice versa. It doesn't mean that anyone's more guilty than another party. It just means that um, in, well, in in Kelly's ethics, they reflect a way to be like, if I did it, I don't up to it. I talk about it versus like, hey, I'm just going to rat out of the, the people so I don't get in trouble. Yeah, he's explaining to you the dynamic of that relationship and how you would feel if Alex Cora was allowed back in baseball along the same timeline that Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa and other individuals were allowed in baseball. We wouldn't be having this conversation because Alex Cora would have the ability to do what these other individuals are doing, which is earn that living. Mm -hmm. and they would be the same because they're in the same boat as far as who offended, whether it was the player that was receiving the benefit or it was the coach who was receiving the benefit because of the production of the player. However you want to look at that, they're all as guilty as each other. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate part is there's individuals that are paying the price for And look, you know what happens is people hear things. People don't like the way that they get painted into a picture. People don't like that kind of stuff. And that's, that's what happens when you do things that garner that attention. You make peace with it, and you got to move on. And I, I think Alex Cora has done that to an extent. You hear things, things still might fire you up. You still might have opinions about them. Um, but that doesn't mean that guys have the, have the free reign to just hammer individuals and leave individuals out in the wind and – I think that's where Joe Kelly's coming from is he feels like guys like Alex Cora who had to fall on the sword, though just as guilty as other ones are paying 
a steeper penalty for that. And that doesn't set well with guys. That just doesn't. And you need right. to understand that. Right. And there's extra incentive to be upset when you're Joe Kelly and A, the team that you were on in 2017 when the Astros were cheating, that Red Sox team got eliminated by the Dodgers. That's why John Heyman's a fucking idiot when he was like, Joe Kelly wasn't even on the Dodgers in, uh, in 2017. I said Dodgers, but I meant Astros. Um, <clears throat> yeah, J- John Heyman said Joe Kelly wasn't even on the Dodgers in 2017 when they got eliminated by the Astros. No, but he was on the Red Sox who got eliminated by the Astros. Uh, and then he also has the personal relationship with Alex Cora, knows what's going on behind the scenes with him and his family. So, of course, he's going to take it upon himself to exact revenge. Like, that's the type of guy that Joe is. Like, Joe is the, <clears throat> the type of guy that will take a bullet for you if, if that loyalty is, is, a, is a two-way street. And with AC, it's a two-way street as it pertains to Joe Kelly. Um, so I think that that's just what you saw there is a guy that was like, all right, fuck these guys. And, and he took action. And uh, now he's sitting out for five games, which, by the way, that sucks because he's already on the injured list and you are not allowed to Can't serve your suspension. Yep. yep, you cannot serve your suspension while you're on the injured list. So Joe Kelly essentially is looking at 10 days on the injured list, five-game uh, five suspension. So he, he'll – basically be gone for 25% of the season. So Alex, sucks. Alex, when you're listening to this, Joe loves you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure you'd do the same for me, Dallas. Would you? Uh, that's, that's a question that none of my teammates have ever had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. You'd light someone up with all that 86. That's, that's, I'm the teammate. The guys are like, no, 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 no. We'll get somebody else. Like I know. <laughs> yeah. We, we appreciate the willingness to, <laughs> however, we need we to send it, a message. We want it to mean something. Yeah. So, we want it to actually. We don't want that guy to just catch it and throw it back at you. <laughs> yeah. So this is more about protecting you. Right yeah. Um, Aaron judge the fuck's going on. Booney. Uh, what are you doing uh, over here? Booney. It's, I mean, the standard just, just hockey, be honest. The standard hockey injury update, right? Yeah. Lower, lower, lower body. body tightness. Well, can you be a little more specific? Yeah, when I say lower body, I mean his entire fucking lower body. Mm-hmm. Like what started the hips will go down to the quads, all the way through the hammies, down into the calves. Yeah, so uh, essentially, Aaron Judge, the centaur, the human yeah. side <laughs> of him, feels great. It's yeah. the lower half, it's the, the, it's the horse part. The horse half that is just not doing well right now. Yeah. So the Yankees had an off day. First of all, last weekend they played in Tampa. So you're on the turf. That's the excuse that we're using, I guess. Four games uh, in three days. That's real. That's, that's real. real. That's real. Uh, off day on Monday. And then on Tuesday, he gets taken out in the sixth inning. Um, this eventually, I think it was like a 9-3 ball game or something like that. And it became 9-6 at the end. So it was very much like a winnable ball game for the Braves. <clears throat> Aaron Boone takes Aaron Judge out of the game. Then after the game, it's like, yeah, you know, we were just, we're just resting him because, uh, you know, we had a big lead and uh, we played in Tampa over the weekend and the turf can really be tough on the lower half. And then, you know, lineup card comes out on Tuesday or no, Wednesday. Wednesday. Lineup card comes out on Wednesday. No Aaron Judge. Hmm. And Aaron Boone is asked about Aaron Judge's availability to play against the Red Sox on Friday and he couldn't even commit to that. So which one is it, Booney? Is it that you're arresting him 
because uh, he played in Tampa on Monday, even though it's now Tuesday and you had an off day on Monday? Or is he hurt? And then we, we kind of get the information of, well, it's a, it's a lower half. Yeah. It's a lower half injury. You want to know what this says to me? It says lower back to me is what this says. You can talk about hamstring. You can, you can, we can list the anatomy if you'd like. I think that's kind of what they did. Yeah, yeah. you know, his hams are a little tight. Hamstring, a little, a little calf, a little, uh, you well, know, a little toe injury. What happens is that lower back tightens up from standing around on that turf. And when your lower back tightens up, your hamstrings tighten up, your hammies tighten up. It's, it's the kinetic chain, right? And so this is something, this is something I think we got to pay a little more attention to, Jared. Mm. Because if it starts at the lower back and starts working its way down, mm-hmm. and we know how rotational the game of baseball is, yeah. and we know Aaron Judge, unfortunately, has, has battled some of these injuries mm-hmm. that have kept him out of the lineup and off the field, I, I don't like this. I don't like where this is heading no. if I'm a New York Yankee fan. No. I mean, but I... Because we've already got Stanton on the shelf. Yeah, he, I mean, like that's, talk, that's a talk, month minimum. Right. We're talking about the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. We're talking about these guys who... who that's a month minimum. But, I mean, again, I'm not really... like it, I could look at this as a Yankee fan and say... I expected Stan to go down at some point. I expected judge to go down at some point. Like those things, unfortunately are given on an annual basis. I'm kind of looking now at like DJ LeMayhew being like, that's the dude that's going to play all 60 games. He's going to carry this offense. Uh, The offense has never really been a problem for the Yankees. It's always been, all right, what am I going to get out of the starters? Not named Garrett Cole. Like, what am I going to get out of those guys? Because if, if this team's going to win a championship, the reason why we don't is because of the guys in the rotation not named Garrett Cole. Because that was the model last year. Was it not? Besides, like, the Savages and the whole thing, it was next man up. It was, all right, we got fucking Mike Tonkman. We got Mike Ford. Like, they, they just plug and play these guys. Gio Urshela. Um, the Yankees can afford... They, they have an embarrassment of riches where they can lose Giancarlo Stanton, who hit 59 home runs a couple of years ago. You can lose that guy. No big deal. Aaron Judge since, sets the rookie uh, single-season home run record. We can lose that guy. No big deal. Then you just put someone else out there. They call up Clint Frazier. Fucking bang. Home run. First game. Like it's, it, they, they have an embarrassment of riches offensively to be able to absolve and absorb these injuries. I'm Still looking at the rotation. I'm not sold on it. The bullpen is nails, whatever. Um, but yeah, and and you, is it wrong to say that you expect both of those? Like everything that has happened to this point has been expected. The offense is still going to be great. You expect the Stanton and Judge injuries. Like those are inevitable. Those are just going to come. It's just a matter of what point in the season you're going to see them. And the question marks in the rotation beyond Garrett Cole. Everything box has been checked like less than 20 games into the season. Yep. No, that's, there's really no other way to assess the Yankees. That is their reality right now. And that's why you see the question marks around Paxton. Velocity stuff. Mm-hmm. What are we getting? The guys are getting excited when he pops 94s. It's, it's everything that you know the Yankees to be, and it's all right there in front of you. If the lineup is going to have any success, it's going to be a doing part to either the two guys that are out of the lineup right now or to the, as you said, the next man up mantra succeeding. 
I think they ran out of that magic dust if that's what they're relying on this year. I'll say that. If the Yankees are relying on the next man up yeah. to just carry them through, mm-mm, not going to happen. I, I, I can't agree. And I know that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a Yankees honk. But that's just not the case. Like, Mike Ford, like, who the fuck is Mike Ford, right? But he can, he's a professional hitter. He comes in there, and he just gets the job done. DJ LeMayhew wakes up and pisses three hit games. That's just what he does. Mike Tonkman, he just delivers in the clutch. Like, these are guys that, like, in Gio Urshela, apparently, according to A-Rod, is the best third baseman in Major League Baseball. Where the fuck did he come from? So, yeah, you want to say next man up. Like, usually when you hear that mantra from a professional sports team, it means my, my like, point is, fuck, point the, is- the intended players are done, and then the, the, the B players are coming in. Well, guess what? The Yankees' B players are a lot better than some of the A players out and, there on, and, on your teams. But those guys showed up last year. That, that's, that's my point. Is and they almost got to the World Series. Outstanding. But they're, they were the replacement guys or whatever. They were the plug-and-play guys last year. You're, you're not. Now you're not those guys. If anybody is going to refer to you as the best anything in the game, whether they are accurate or just heavily oh, shit. Uh, that that you're not a backup anymore. You're not sneaking up on anybody. That's yeah. what that means. You're not a fucking plug and play. If anybody can evaluate you as the best anything, you're not a plug and play any longer. So yeah. my point is now, if those guys don't perform to their plug-and-play expectations of last year and what they got last year, what do they become then? Then what are you? Because you don't have the depth, because the depth were your plug-and-play guys. Mm-hmm. Plug-and-play guys have graduated to being full-fledged Yankees, having earned their pinstripes. So mm-hmm. now what happens if they start to falter and – and you need some plug-and-play guys. Where are you at now? Yeah, I mean, but even still, like, it's, you know, look at Luke Voigt just hitting like, fucking like, rockets. Like are, are, you, are you putting the lack of success on the shoulders of Mike Talkman and Mike Ford going, fuck, if these guys would have been who we thought they were, the Yankees <laughs> would have – is that the conversation you're having? No. So that's my point is – you can be enamored with the success that they had bursting onto the scene. Well, they're here. They're on the scene. They're going to be on the scene. What does their presence, what does their consistent presence mean? Is it a threat or is it more of a, let's see how that pans out over mm-hmm. one, over, you know, over 60, not 162. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm in the, let's see how that pans out. Can Gio Urshela put the Yankees on his back? Can no. Mike Ford... Get no, but DJ LeMayhew can. Sure, but okay. So can Mike Ford get you to forget about Aaron Judge? Is Mike Talkman gonna make you okay with Giancarlo Stanton not being back? They were last I, year because of the production you got. Well, this is a new fucking year. Right. But to to answer some of those questions, like it's going to be a combined like there's no one guy that's going to make you forget about another one guy when you're talking about like Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton going down. But like, can a guy like DJ LeMayhew, can a guy like Clint Frazier, like combine to make you be like, all right, well, we're not losing that much in the offensive department because look at what these guys are doing. Like Luke Voigt is obviously, 
as he's having like another year where he's hitting the fucking piss out of the ball. Uh, Glaber hasn't really gotten it going yet. Like Hicks started to like figure it out like re- very recently. So they're just so deep where like I'm trying to think of like an equivalent of a team where you know, like they have like two boppers and if those guys just fall apart, then the whole fucking offense is, is screwed. Um, the Yankees aren't that team. Like, yes, they have two big boppers, but the lineup is so deep to where it's like, even if you like, if, if Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton are considered, uh, like a 100 on the offensive scale, you're still replacing them with like, 65 70 guys you know what i mean yeah i I understand what you're saying but now you need those 65 70s to be performing at the same time sure and and aaron judge can come in and put a team on his back for two weeks a john carlos stanton can come in and put his team on his back for two weeks yeah i don't know that dj lemayhew can do that oh he's doing it he's doing it i guess what i guess what i'm trying to say is like, say, hypothetically, we lose Stanton and Judge for the next month, mm-hmm. and the Yankees have a record that's at 500 or below over that span of time. I think if you look at the numbers, you will find that the reason why they had that record was not because of the offense. It was more because of the starting pitching beyond Garrett Cole. Well, and, and just think about what that lineup looks like minus an Aaron Judge and it's different. A Giancarlo Stan. Very different. Because now you are telling me that Clint Frazier will be answering the bell every day on a consistent basis with a Mike Talkman. And you're telling me that consistent production out of those two guys is going to be what carries the New York Yankees. And that may be the case with this little if, Jared. If it's consistent. Because mm-hmm. you need Clint Frazier, a unproven talent at this point in time to be as productive as you would hope any bench player with time under his belt to be in this scenario. And you're asking that of a young guy who hasn't been given the opportunity, some would say, to fully try to take advantage of a starting role or be handed the opportunity to take a starting role from someone defensive miscues, find him on the bench and he's just not able, able to get comfortable. That's who you're looking for that 65-70 grade production out of from here on out. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just um, – I, I think I, with the Yankees – I didn't know you like the Yankees this much. This is, this is revealing. Yeah, it is pretty revealing. I think with the Yankees, it's one of those things where you don't really have to worry about this until October. Like, the, 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 oh, that's, the that's, answers to the questions that we're asking right now will not be answered until October. Like, they're still going to win the division. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's do they have what it takes to get past Team X? Because I don't think that Team X is going to be the Astros this year. Uh, like, who's the team? Like, the Minnesota Twins? Like, the Yankees are going to fucking th- throttle the Minnesota Twins like they do every postseason. We don't know the answer to that question either. Um, I think that the Minnesota Twins are a better team this year than they were last year. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that lines up. It's going to be a very interesting postseason. And uh, I guess we have to wait and see. Does John Collis Stanton come back? Does Aaron Judge come back? Like, what what are these what are these injuries, and 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 how does how do they directly impact the New York Yankees in their path to a World Series? We'll see. We will see. Uh, Andrew Benintendi fell down, and he's on the injured list. What happened? Um, I think the third base coach a little late. 
No, I think he just blew out a tire. He, he was rounding second, and it, it, it wasn't even like there was a stutter step or anything like that. He kind of just blew out a tire, landed on his ribs, and now he's on the injured list. But I got um, a question. I got a question, and yeah. I hope you can answer. Does Andrew Benatendi, does he have a new girlfriend? I don't think he does. Does he have the same girlfriend? No, I think he's he's single Benny right now. Okay, single Benny right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I think it's I think that's part of the problem. I mean, Benny boyfriend was unbelievable in 2018, and uh, now maybe he's just lost. He's statistically, I think, for players who qualify at the time of this injury, was statistically the worst hitter in baseball. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. so not. It doesn't not, look like the Red Sox have many, many. Is it safe to say the Red Sox don't have the plug-and-play luxury of maybe the New York Yankees, Jared? I think I think it's safe to say that the Boston Red Sox are going for the first pick in the draft. <laughs> it is it is about as bad of a brand of baseball as you could take in right now. Yeah, it's it's the worst. I think only the Pirates might have a worse record than the Red Sox right now. That's unnecessary. You didn't need to do that. They are a, a god awful baseball team, and and the Red Sox are right there with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and that's when you know. That's when you know that uh, don't have any hope. Just give up, and um, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the draft. I'm ready for June. I'm ready for uh, Omaha, and I can't wait. Let's go Nebraska. It's gonna be. Let's go Nebraska. <laughs> it's gonna be a good time. I can't wait for that number one pick, um, Justin Verlander is going to be throwing soon. And this is on the heels of that report where he was done for the year that got walked back in an age where players can just hop on the old Twitter machine and be like, Hey, I saw what you wrote. It's fucking wrong. Full shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, take your two sources and shove them up your ass. I'm not out for the season. Yeah. So he's going to be throwing soon. Um, yeah, Astros need it. Obviously they, uh, they won last night, but they've, they haven't performed well at all this year. I got to tell um, you, I went on a radio show in Texas. Oh, boy. In Houston. And and they took, the producer told me before, he said, hey, have some fun. Be you and have some fun. <laughs> and he said, bring the hate. And I said, oh, that's easily done. Not an no, issue. Not an no issue. Problem. Yeah. No problem. No problem. And I made it very apparent very quickly that they're just not who you want them to be anymore. Uh, That could change with Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is a guy who could very well change the narrative of your ball club. Should he one be on it? And should he two be healthy? And that is what I said. The minute Justin Verlander went down was what do we talk about? Is he going to be here for the season? Nope. Does it look like it's looking good for the postseason? Should they be there? No. But you know who will be there for the postseason? Should that be a thing? That's going to be Justin Verlander. He is going to do anything and everything he can to get himself back and be ready to help his club should they be able to fight and get to a spot when this is all said and done where they have a chance at another ring. Justin Verlander is not going to let that go by on his watch without him doing something about it. But I told the Astros or I told the the radio host, I said, who do you think you are though without him? Like you, you can't, you're not confident in what you're running out there. Yeah, There's Superman without the Cape. And, and, and I know that because you're asking me what I think and how I feel about your club without a Justin Verlander. And you're doing that because you know 
who you are without a Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. You know you're not a threat. You know there's nothing really for anybody else to worry about because you're watching Zach Greinke hand the ball to Lance McCullers, hand the ball to uh, Tyler Rogers. There's, you know, this is maybe that's what you're talking about, Dallas. Is mm-hmm. this that point in the rotation? Is this that point in the bullpen that you're talking? Yep, this would be that point. So I'm all for Justin Verlander mounting this comeback. I'm all for him playing Captain Savaho. You need him to baseball needs the bad guy. And it's, it's almost weird because like the Yankees are considered the bad guy. Like you, but you need, you need the bad guy to save you from the bad guy. It's, it's, it's almost like the Astro, like, cause who, I mean, we are, we've already seen this twice. Now we've seen a showdown of the Yankees and the Astros in the American American league championship series. But who would like America who does America want to see in the World Series less? It's got to be the Astros, right? So you almost like, do you, have, do you have people that hate the Yankees rooting for the Astros or vice versa? Like, what's the lesser of two evils? I think the lesser of two evils is the Yankees. And that's just because... Really? Absolutely. I don't know. I think especially like what the Yankees represent, like we fucking, we shave our beards and, and we fucking wear pinstripes to work and we're business. And like, that's what people hate. Like, and they, like spending $350 billion on Garrett Cole, where you got people out of work. Like what the Yankees represent is not what like blue collar America can get behind. But, that's, but they also don't like but that's what, what, it, what the Astros did. I, I think the, they would want the world to explode before they rooted actively rooted for either one of those teams. They want the Yankees there because look, everything that you've just described about the Yankees, though, are things and characteristics of their approach that we have all come to accept that, that are just, just like the sun rising and setting, Jared. The Yankees will spend top dollar on top free agents and laugh at you for having an argument about how their championship wasn't homegrown. They don't give a fuck. The banner hangs just the same to them, as it should anybody in this day and age. So if you're asking me who do I want to see in a World Series based on what it could do for the fans and who the fan, I think the fans want to see a Garrett Cole on the big stage, and they would love to know that the Houston Astros have missed out on something that they feel they cheated baseball fans and teams out of during their run which yeah. was championship compensation, championship attention, the stardom that comes with it. There's a lot of things, Jared, that you just can't give back that the Astros gained during that run. And there's a lot of people who are just not willing to cast that aside and sweep that under the rug and be okay with it. They're just not. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I, again – I don't think it's fair at this point to just pencil in the Astros and the Yankees into the American League Championship Series. Get the fuck out of there's here. A, Who the fuck is having that kind of conversation? There's a, there's a team out in Oakland that's playing some pretty damn good baseball this year. I'll be Bet losing two out of three to the Angels, who aren't very good. Um, and, you know, the Minnesota Twins deserve a lot of respect. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, I feel like, haven't really turned it on yet, but they – should be a team that is, is feels a lot more threatening than they have. And you can't let the performance against the Boston Red Sox trick you either because the Red Sox fucking suck. So anything that any team does against the Red Sox should not be admissible in court. 
It should be what you do against every other team in the American League besides the Boston Red Sox because they are the fucking worst baseball team uh, in the league. And every team looking at their schedule should really think about who they're getting after they play the Red Sox. So if the team that's coming into town just got out of Boston or just had Boston leave them, look out because there's a good chance there's a good chance they're seeing the ball really well at this point <laughs> yeah. in time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that could be problematic. Yeah, it could definitely be problematic. I mean, that team fucking sucks. I, I, I made it official, by the way. Did I, did I tell you it's official? Have you, have you canceled the season yet? See it? Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. Have they there been relegated, relegated to the iPad? Yep. That, that's the fucking iPad. It's right there. <laughs> I, you, I don't want to hear the broadcast. I don't want to see what's going on. Like, I barely want to see what's going on. Like, you don't deserve to be on a fucking television screen. That's how much of an embarrassment. I, I actually, you know what? I'm going to put them on. I'm going to put them on tonight. But it's only to watch Tyler Glass now throttle that line. Shove it up their ass. Yeah. You know, we, we should do a day where I'll watch the Red Sox for you, and I could just tweet you. Like just what's happening? Yeah, just kind of what's happening. I, I would love if you could do that this weekend, but I got to get on a fucking train to New York City to do a live stream for Garrett Cole shoving his fist up my ass on Friday night. Like, I don't need that. Like, why? Like, you really need me to go all the way to New York for that? It's a one-night trip. It's not even like I'm staying for the weekend. I'm literally getting on a train Friday morning, going to New York City, doing a live stream at Barstool headquarters Friday night for Garrett Cole to put his fist up my ass and I'm getting on the first train Saturday morning, getting the fuck out of that godforsaken city. Oh, Jared going all the way to New York to get a fistful of coal shoved right <laughs> up his ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even Christmas yet. Jared yeah. Santa Claus going to tickle that anus. It's, I mean, it's one of those things where like I, I'm still paying my debt to society for 2018. <laughs> like oh, that yeah. year was just too good. And like, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. Uh, like 2018 was so good on every level imaginable. Like it was just a dream scenario that I am fine with getting fisted by Garrett Cole for one night on, on camera <laughs> just so that I can keep those memories from 2018. Well, I hope you've got a Theragun to, to iron out some of those bumps and bruises you're going to be accumulating. That's a tough, I do have one. Yes. Garrett Cole is a large human being. And a fistful of coal up your ass, Jared, could probably you could very well end up in the same position as old Aaron Judge with some lower body tightness after your fistful of coal gets rammed up your anus. Um, should that happen, I highly recommend Theragun CBD. You're going Dallas Theragun, the same Theragun that you know hammer out the yes, that same Theragun from tight muscles, tough workouts. These are all signs of aging. We get it. But to simply making it through each busy day, we can all understand what it feels like to be tense, sore, just not your great best self. We also understand that everyone can benefit from CBD products, especially TheraOne's CBD products. This product was started by Jason Worsland. TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. Natural, folks. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. That's right. This thing is just like a hammer for your muscles. It is amazing. I swear by it. I have two, and I buy them 
for Christmas gifts because you want to put a smile on somebody's face, let them know that you love them. Let them give themselves a massage from you and they'll never, ever regret it. I promise. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% fillers. That is not good. That is not organic. And all these fillers are potentially toxic. Well, not with our folks at Theragun. Nay, nay. Therawan tests their products four times before they get to you. Every single product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere bar none. Use Therawan's warming lotion in the morning, the cooling lotion at night, or the massage oil to recover. Wow. And body balm for targeted relief. Hey, I've got a bullseye for you to rub. And that sleep tincture help you drift off into Neverland after absolutely pleasuring yourself with the cooling lotion, folks. Calm down. Now through Labor Day, that's right, Monday, September 7th, Dare One is offering our listeners buy one, get one free on all Thera One products. Everything. But you got to go to theragun.com slash starting. Theragun.com slash starting. And if you don't love what you get from Thera One, send it back. You get a full refund within 30 days of your purchase. You don't like it, send it back. Refund, no harm, no foul. This is not something that these folks are likely to do again. So you need to jump all over this while the getting is good. That's buy one, get one. Buy one, get one, folks. Buy one, get one at theragun.com slash starting. Only until Labor Day. theragun.com slash starting. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I'm certainly not disappointed. It's fucking amazing, dude. It's uh, for, for me, obviously, I'm getting up there in age as well. And uh, it is something that um, it's become a necessity as part of my routine to be able to get out of bed in the morning and not feel like I got hit by a car the day before. Um, it's very, it's a necessity, like I said. Magical. It is. You know what else is magical? I do. I have a feeling. Watching Mike Trout play baseball. Why did I don't, we? I don't know what it is. What, what is it about this year that makes it feel like Mike Trout is finally getting more appreciation than he than no, what seems normal? Because he's being celebrated for starting a family, and what happens to be coinciding with him starting a family is a ridiculous power surge. And yeah. well, I don't want to say surge because the power's been there. Surge is the wrong word. Yeah. A power output since having his child. What is this? Seven homers in eight games or eight yeah. homers in nine games or something stupid like that. I, I, who, who the fuck went and gave Mike Trout a beautiful family to start? Do you know what that's doing for the rest of the fucking league? It's pain. It's not, it's, but, but I think that is why we are appreciating Mike Trout more. So I think this is also an opportunity that baseball fans are realizing. We don't want this to be a, we don't know what we have until it's gone situation with Mike Trout. Maybe yeah. we should really start listening to the people who blow this dude on the daily because he deserves it. Because he's somebody that we have been told for years that is the face of our game. And just because we might not see him on our tablets, on the commercials, and on his Twitter feed, and Instagram, 
that doesn't mean that we are not bearing witness to potentially the greatest athletic feat on a baseball field since they put one together. Yeah. I mean, I know that this segment's supposed to be about Mike Trout, and we'll get back to him in a second, but do you know who's second in Major League Baseball and OPS right now? Like, obviously, Charlie Blackman's number one, but, like, do you know who's number two? OPS. Yeah, I was very surprised. I mean, he's one of our guys. He's one of our guys, and I feel like he's another one where he's, he, he's not being talked about enough right now. That might actually throw you off because he's like a big name, but like he's also not being talked about enough right now. I had no idea that he had the second highest OPS and because he's not like you would be like, all right, second highest OPS in Major League Baseball. Uh, so that means he's got to be cranking a ton of homers. So it'd be like, what, Nick Castellanos? It's not Nick Castellanos. It's not, it's not someone that's just like cranking a ton of homers right now. I, Jesus. Yeah. I don't even think it's guessable, but he is one of our guys. He's one of our guys. Second base OPS, you said? Yes. Um, the second highest OPS in Major League Baseball right now. I, I would not have guessed this. And it's not Judge. I'm going to – oh, you know – wait. He said he's one of our guys, so then it yep. can't be him. I was going to say, have you watched – there's a guy out in San Francisco. Yeah, he's that, third. Oh, really? He's third? Yeah. Fucking Donnie Barrels? Donovan Solano? Donnie yeah. Barrels? Yeah, he's third. He's, <laughs> um, he's fucking unbelievable. What about... No, I'm going to guess this. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Let's go! How, like, how is, he, how is he second in Major League Baseball in OPS? Yeah, because, well, I mean, how many games... He's on like a... Does he have like an eight-game hitting streak or something like that? Or am I? I mean, yeah, he's hitting the ball, but like you would I, think. But I mean, his, it's kind of like 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 I would have to go back and look at his game logs. But it's like if you go and look at a Charlie Blackman game log, yeah. And, and you said this about Lemayhew, who just wakes up and pisses three hit games. Charlie Blackman is that same way. I feel like Bryce Harper is quietly. I feel like just looking at box scores and shit, I've constantly seen like a two for three. Yeah, like his his OBP is almost fucking 500. So he's getting on base a ton, which obviously helps the OPS. Um but yeah, like I'm looking I'm looking at all these like counting stats, like I'm looking at like extra base hits. He must just be walking a ton like I'm going to go look this up now. Yeah, I'm going to go to I'm going to his game log and I'm just going to see Yeah, like what's he what's he doing? He's got five extra base hits. <laughs> See, okay, so this is where I'm talking about. Yeah, the last four days or last five days, last four days, it's been two knocks, two knocks, two knocks, and mm-hmm. then, you know, a knock, two knocks, a knock. So it has, but how many fucking doubles? Does, what? He only has five extra base hits total. Four, yeah, four homers and a jack. Yeah. Excuse me, four homers and a double. He has one double. Just touch him. Just got to put it in play, babe. Just put it in play. Do it, Harp. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, I'm happy for him. I- I'm happy for Bryce Harper. That's that's one of our, our biggest guys that uh, we have on the roster here at Starting Nine. But back to Mike Cho for a second. I, I didn't know. That's why oh, I wanted to ask. What? What's he hitting? What's his average? I didn't even Harper? look at his. Yeah. Like 341 or something like that? I was going to say, he's probably hitting like fucking... 350, 360. Yeah, he's right around there. Um, 
But that's why I wanted to ask you about the Mike Trout thing. I didn't know if it was just me, but did it feel like or does it feel like to you that Mike Trout is being appreciated more this year than in any other year that you can remember? Yes. And it's because of what I just said about the birth of his child and the narrative surrounding that. I also think it was due in part to the potential of not having a Mike Trout because that was a conversation we were having with his childbirth on the, on the radar. Was he going to go for the birth and not come back? Was he ever going to consider starting to begin with? We heard Mike Trout finally say something and have an opinion kind of on, on what was going on with the cheating scandal. Mm -hmm. I think for the first time, Mike Trout was as forward facing and in the public eye and conversation around baseball as he ever has been. And I think that got people's attention as well. Like, yo, because, and, and I said this during the, uh, during the show that we did with momentum, when Mike Trout speaks, you listen. And it's because you're not sure. Maybe you're interested in his Instagram workouts. Maybe you're interested in life for Mike Trout away from the field, but because you don't know much about that and because he doesn't ever really say much in regards to the climate of baseball, because he's just so much better than everybody. When he does say something, it's kind of like somebody has, has stopped and they're, they're fucking, they're fed up with watching these two idiots fumble. Fuck this thing. Let Mike Trout come over here and show you how to unlatch it, where to put the whatever. And now everything falls into place. And that's what I think we got this year is Mike Trout started talking. People started listening. And now Mike Trout is doing Mike Trout shit. And the people who are listening are like, yo, has this dude always been this good? It's like, uh, yeah, and it's only getting worse for the competition, better for us. So Mm -hmm. strap the fuck in. What would you put the odds of starting nine landing Mike Trout at some point? Above 50%. Ooh. <laughs> Above 50%. I'll, I'll, look, I, I just, uh, I'll say this. Um, time, time can heal some things. Time can yeah. change some things from, yeah. from what I gather. That's just from what I gather. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, as Mike Trout tends to be appreciated, maybe on a different level, I think it's safe to say that there's some other folks that become appreciated because maybe it's the opportunity to have the the curtain peeled back on some guys and realizing that, you know what, that actually all that did was make other people fall in love with this guy. All that did was change the opinion of this guy for some other people. So really I'm not seeing any negative. I'm not seeing a downside here to opening up and sitting down and talking shop with some guys who I know love the game the way I do and appreciate what I do for the game. And I think there's, there's an understanding now slowly, but surely what that can do for a guy, even if he's somebody who isn't worried about the outside opinion of, you know, lay baseball fans or your ravenous baseball fans. Mm. There's an understanding, Jared. There sure is. And uh, 
I also have an understanding about uh, about your uh, your fertility because you, Dallas, are a two-time confirmed sex haver. Like that's on the record. Like we know that between for a fact. me and Mike Trout, we know our soldiers march. Yes, I mean, like that sperm count is strong. Yes, but if I were if I if I wanted to find out because like I don't have like a, a way to confirm that, like with another human being. Um, is there a way that I could maybe kind of figure out if I'm on the same level in terms of sperm count? There is. And you know, I'm, I'm glad that this has come about because if you think about the alternative, that's a hell of a way to find out. <laughs> yeah, it really is. You know, like I think about little Wayne and I think yeah. about that verse, you know, anticipating that late text. Yeah. That, Oops, I think I'm late text. Yeah. Like you don't want that text. Yeah, you don't want that. And there's a better way, like pull out game, maybe not so strong. Yeah. You don't have to wait for your partner to piss on a stick and put your entire life in perspective for you. Cause it's like toothpaste, folks. There's no putting it back in the jar, if you know what I mean. So if you want to find out if you are on the range firing bullets or firing blanks. I've got a way for that to happen. And it's, it's very easy. Yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. You're damn right it's easy. I can, I can take care of business all on my own. I don't need much help. But sometimes, and really up until now, you've had to go somewhere. you got to get in your car with that kind of mindset, show up to a building, talk to people, and then go off in a room and what? Start a skin fire to figure out if you can be a patriarch or not? What's that? Just feel that feels archaic. That feels old. So, daddy's come up with something a very easy way to go about this, very discreet way to go about this. Do you know that one in seven couples experience infertility? That means one in seven of us is how I'm reading that are going to struggle to start a family and really not know why. And men are responsible for half of all known infertility cases, which makes sense. It's a 50-50 endeavor, folks. One in 10 of us are infertile. We won't know that. We'll never know that, maybe, unless you do your homework, and Daddy is here to help you do that homework. It's here to help normalize the conversation about finding this kind of shit out. Look, this is important. Even if you're 18, 19, 20, you've been thinking about having a family, you want to make sure that that's something that you can actually plan around and you can do. And it might not be important to you now, but it's going to be important to you later. And if you can have that information now, it's kind of like having answers to the test. Because then from there, you get to realize, you know what? Her, she's somebody I could circle the wrong bubble on. Her, she's somebody I could fill out the wrong bubble on. Like, you just want to know that. And daddy helps you know. That's the best part about this. They've developed a high-tech at-home sperm collection kit. that allows you to test and store your sperm right there at home. Like, not even in a tube sock, Jared. You put it in the fridge, you're good to go. All without leaving the comfort of your own home. You get your results within 24 hours. So they get your sample, 24 hours later, you figure out whether or not you can be a dad. That's pretty damn quick. These services, do you, do you have any idea how much this shit typically costs, Jared? How much? They usually cost thousands of dollars, thousands, just for you to jerk off in a cup, save it in somebody else's refrigerator. 
thousands of dollars for that. You're thinking, what? I've plastered many a bathroom floor free of charge. They're going to charge me for that? Yeah, a ridiculous amount. But don't worry. Daddy's got you covered. Because their at-home collection kit, a lab-tested fertility report, free overnight shipping, and a free year of cryogenic sperm storage, it's all for 200 bucks, Jared, $199 with an option to store sperm. So you're able to negotiate a contract with options here. You got an option for you and your boys, your future boys or your future girls for $99 year after the first free year. That's amazing. No hidden costs, no fees to store your soldiers. And because daddy are huge fans of Barstool, standard, they're offering you that's our listeners, a limited time offer. And this offer is banging, folks, banging like you and yourself in that room. For any new customers coming out right now via the podcast, we're providing $50 off your purchase. That's right, $50 off the Daddy Kit. So go to daddykit.com, D-A-D-I-K-I-T.com. That's Daddy Kit. And insert the discount code STARTING50. And check out your order today. It's the best way to go when you're trying to put answers to those questions you've been having. Just, I promise you, don't wait for the stick. Don't wait for that test. You control the testing environment, gentlemen. You control the testing environment. It's time that you take that matter in your hand and put matters in your own hands. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's how you do it, Jared. That's how you do it. Um, you know, what's one thing that's been pretty cool about this season is, uh, you know, obviously our, our, our reach within the league has gotten bigger over the last year and our uh, little black book of, of guests has expanded exponentially. Um, so I'm out here every single night tweeting highlights from every single game, essentially. I'm tweeting big homers. I'm tweeting highlight reel catches. A lot of them are Matt Chapman. Um, but because we have our guys, sometimes there are one of our guys gives up a fucking bomb. Mm. And it's like, well, I have to preface this tweet by being like, I love so-and-so, but that <laughs> ball was fucking torched. I feel uh, dirty right now, but. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, the players obviously like they, they see these videos and to be honest with you, they've all been like, you know what sucks that I gave up the Homer, but like, I love what you're doing. Like you're getting the highlights out there. Like that's going to promote the game, whatever. He's like, you know, no hard feelings. Like, like if I strike him out tomorrow, you better post that fucking highlight too. So like, that's, uh, that's been pretty cool. So you've, you've obviously, you've made, Somebody's reached out to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I I have a feeling I know exactly who that yeah, was. Yeah. 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 So, but I fucking mean. Get it down, lefty. Get yeah. it fucking down. Right. Let's go. Right. But fair is fair. You know, if you, if, if you give one up uh, and like it's, you got to be, you got to know that that highlight's going to make it out there. But however. If you punch them out the next day, you bet your ass I'll, I'll get that highlight as well. And we're trying to, we're out here trying to grow the game, Dallas. Well, I feel like what we're doing is we are giving, we're giving that freedom to, you know, like Bauer and the, the, the millionaire strut, you know, like you're giving these guys the freedom to do that. 
because they know like it's going to be eyes on it. You don't have the opportunity to to K strut and walk around and and just taste yourself the way you did before. So there's going to be moments where we're going to see guys, I think, play up for the camera, if you will, knowing that this this environment has given baseball players a sense of um, a sense of security in their own skin because I watch these games and I watch the players interact with each other and I watch them interact with their coaches and during the game, you know, they're cheering for their teammates. They're making signs and shit. Like I interviewed Bob Melvin during a game the other day in between innings and Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas or not Frankie, Frankie was pitching, but Chris Bassett and other guys, they're in the stands, like throwing shit at their manager, yelling, at, at Bowmel, you know, mm-hmm. clapping for him. That's Bob Melvin, everybody. You know, and before you continue, do you think do you think Bob Melvin has the chance to be like the next like Bobby Cox, Mike Sosha guy, just like that just like stays with the same team forever? So I've thrown the Bruce Bochy comparison out there just okay. because another name that I would put in that class, I guess, yeah. Bay and Bay Area guy. Um, not that, not that like Mike Sosha is in this on the same level as Bobby Cox and uh, Bruce Bochy, but I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about like a manager that becomes like a face of the franchise type deal. Um, yes, and the reason I say that is because Bob Melvin has done an incredible job of managing and balancing the front office and being a guy that the players know has their back. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy to do, especially in this era and especially in this organization, the Oakland A's, specifically when a lot of decisions are made and handed down to the field manager. And from there, it's his responsibility and his job to make those pieces fit, right? He's got to put that puzzle together. So every day he's handed a box full of puzzle pieces and is told, make it work. And that's not easy. It's not an easy way to operate. And Bob Melvin does a wonderful job of that. And it's appreciated by the front office. And mm-hmm. the fan base loves him. The players love him. So if he wants to, the Oakland area and that organization could be his, I think, for as long as he would like. Yeah, I love that. It's such a great fit. It really is. Um, we got to play a little buy or sell right here. I'm into it. Juan Soto will end up as the best position player in Nationals slash Expos history. You buy or sell on that? Damn. You said position player? Yes. Okay. So better than Bryce Harper, better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, but these, uh, are, all, these are all young cats. Like, you got to think about what this team looks like, what the history of this team looks like. We're talking guys like... Andre Dawson, right? We're talking guys mm-hmm. like fucking Gary Carter. We're talking guys yep. like Vlad Jr. Or Vlad, not Vlad Jr. We're talking Vlad, Papa yeah. Vlad. Um, so I'm going to say, oh, damn, era of free agency. I'm going to say no. No. But I'm going to say, as he sits right now, he's already in, in that conversation. No, yeah. is he not? Or, or, or oh, he's definitely in the conversation for sure. Well, but like, you know what? let me say this: like Vlad um, didn't win his MVP until he left for Anaheim. So for the through the first three seasons, 
when you take a look at, oh, who else? Jesus Christ. How do I think? How do I forget about Rock Reigns? Um, yeah. So when you think about Soto compared to Gary Carter, Vlad, Rock Reigns, Andre Dawson, think about this. Through their first three seasons, which is what Juan Soto has accumulated to this point, he leads all of those men in home runs, runs scored, on base percentage, OPS, OPS plus. Oh, Larry Walker. Yeah, in that conversation. Uh, but but I I think I like maybe these other guys over over Larry Walker. <laughs> He's uh, a hofer. I know, I know I'm not. Well, so is I mean Bud. So is Lad. Yeah, but I think he went in with an Angels so hat. Is, so is Tim Ray. That's fine. But he played on this team, and. For this exercise, I'm giving you the numbers over their first three years, which is where these individuals spent their time in the same organization. Uncle Cliffy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a chasm there between Uncle Cliffy and some other guys. <laughs> but he has produced the third highest war out of those guys to this point through their first three years. 7.7 war. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's in the conversation, but no, I don't think it ends up that way. But you don't think it ends up that way because – he'll leave for free agency and sign somewhere else and not have the chance to really surpass these guys on the, the nationals expos Mount Rushmore. Yes. Yeah. It's not because you don't think that he'll end up having a better career than players X, Y, and Z. Correct. I'm paying attention to the detail. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. I think, uh, you know, if they're throwing out 300 million, at Bryce Harper as sort of like a, Hey, we're just letting you know that we're making an effort, but we don't actually want you to take this offer. Um, Juan Soto's the guy that you do make the legit, like, Hey, we want you here forever type offer to. Well, what do we got? Uh, we got five years until we get to that point. Don't we? Unless, I mean, uh, you know, maybe, maybe two, two years from now they buy out the Arb years and. Um, well, but and that wasn't they, happening with Harper though. No, it wasn't happening with Harper, but I think there's a there's a difference. I mean, Harper being a Boris guy, shout out to us Boris guys out there. I think that the Nationals were probably under the impression that there was no chance that Harper was going to sign anything before free agency, or at least at the time, like if you're a pre-arb guy. Uh, maybe Soto's different. I don't know. Maybe they legitimately make him an offer that he can't refuse, kind of like what happened with Mookie Betts. I mean, players change their tone. I haven't heard... Um, I haven't heard Soto talk about free agency whatsoever. I mean, obviously it's a little soon for that. Like with Bryce Harper, we were talking about Bryce Harper's free agency when he was 16. So it was a little bit different of a case there. Same organization, but a much different player, much different situation. But with Juan Soto, I mean, like it's same with, with the case of Mookie Betts. Everyone was saying there's no fucking chance this guy takes a contract extension. He's going to free agency. There's no chance that you can sign him before he gets the free agency. And the Dodgers just made him an offer. He couldn't refuse. And yeah, I, well, I, do, I think the nationals are an organization that can afford to make Juan Soto an offer. He can't refuse. Yes, I do believe they are. And is Juan Soto, the type of player that you invest that type of money in that many years in at this stage of his career. I do believe he is. I, I think that it's like him and Acuna. Like who else do you, are you, are you backing up that type of money truck for, um, pre-arb or pre-free agency. Those are the I, guys. I got a name for you. Matt Chapman. Like, Matt Chapman's probably the guy that you would just back up the money. I mean, like, that and platinum glove, Carabas. Platinum glove. And I mean, like, he could stroke it, too. The other night, six runs batted in. Two home runs, Carabas. Did you see that? Did you stay up for the game, or did you fall asleep after your socks lost another one? 
Did you see the game? Matt Chapman is on the same level as Juan Solo. When no, he's I, not. When did I become an overweight East Coast fucking parking attendant? Like, when, when, <laughs> And thank you for acknowledging Matt Chapman's skill. But yeah. I was going to talk about a guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's probably going to happen, like, sooner rather than later. I would say, I mean, like, Acuna already got his his extension, at least to take – up, I think, what did it go through? Like one year of free agency, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a ton. It wasn't like a mega deal, but I mean, obviously he doesn't have to uh, ask if uh, Guac is free at Chipotle anymore. He's um, yeah, he's good to ask. So, so then let me ask you this because yeah. without, here we go, buy or sell, Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis Jr. And yep. I'm not going to hit you on the extension Padre of all time. contract. Does he win an MVP by 2022? 2022? 2020, kind of a wash. I don't know if you're willing to accept the MVP from him. Should he get it? I, I feel like that's a conversation we can have, you know, how we feel about these awards uh, at the end of the season. 2022, but, so that gives him two legitimate chances. That's right. So um, next year, show up, show out. Next year, show up, show out. That would be 2020 year, or 2022. That would be his MVP season. So by You know day, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, like, it's not like there's no Mike Trout of the National League. So, like, there's, oh, there's a lot not, of parity. There's not. No. There's not. No, there's not. There's not. Because I can remember, I used to do this podcast with a guy who, at one point in time, and I don't know if it was his, his blind love or if mm-hmm. it was just a lapse in judgment, but at one point in time, he actually had Mookie Betts, I believe, rated, like, higher like he liked he liked yeah i believe that year was 2018 and i believe mookie betts beat out mike trout for the mvp that year uh so i was correct i didn't say mookie betts was better than mike trout full career sample i said mookie betts is better than mike trout this year and then he went on to fucking prove it winning an mvp and a world series title the conversation was about him being the same caliber player. And well, he was that year. He was well, that year. So when you yeah. tell me that there's nobody else that's even in that, even in that realm. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in the national league, there's no, there's many very, very, very good baseball players in the national league, but there's not the one guy that you can pencil in for 10 plus wins above replacement every single year. Like you're gonna have your Bellingers, your Christian Yelichs, you're gonna have now your Mookie Betts's of of the National League, um, Acuna, now Tatis. There's a lot of very good talent, but there's no one guy that you can just pencil in as like, all right, this guy is obviously gonna beat out everyone else. So who's gonna be the best player not named X? You know what I mean? Like, no, I, any one of those guys that I just named on any given year for the next five years could win the National League MVP. And that's why I. I don't know because I, the star. That's power, why I feel confident saying Tatis. Like, would you say 2022? 2022. Yeah, that I feel confident being like, I'll roll the dice on that. I can't guarantee it. Like, if you would say, you know, is Mike Trout going to win an MVP between now and 2022? You could put a gun to my head and I'd be like, yes. Blow my brains out if I'm wrong. The the NL MVP conversation gets really interesting because Fernando Tatis has somebody on his team that could very well take votes from him yeah. in a Manny Machado. Not if Dustin May has anything to say about it. Oh my God. And Bruce Dark Gratterall, did you see that at bat last night? Did you see that at bat last night? Bullied. Absolutely bullied. And I trust me, I, I am I've been watching a lot. I, I don't think I've missed a Padres game yet this year. 
and and they get the big TV treatment after the Red Sox are over. Don Orsillo, shout out. Uh, Padres fans were barking back at me last night because I said Dodgers pitching has been bullying Manny Machado all year. And they're like, oh, he hit the grand slam. He hit the grand slam. He hit the grand slam. It's like, yes, but Dustin May posterized him twice and then bruised our Gratterall embarrassed him on three straight pitches. That's, so that's, you can have your grand slam, but when you get posterized three times, uh, I would say that outweighs. That Gratterall AB is the very definition of an undressing, Jerry. Yes, it was bad. Down and in on the block, no chance. Hundred hundo paint paint no chance with movement with and, movement yeah well and that's the thing is it's arm side movement Jared so it it's a dove and darted down left to right exactly it's a hundred nineteen <laughs> inches away played seventeen inches it's a hundred nineteen inches away until fifty nine point eight feet away and then it fucking darts towards the corner nips, then it nips the block you had no shot and then it throws a slider that would have went behind a left handed hitter and. <laughs> Manny Machado for whatever like just reason. Just get me the fuck out of here. Exactly. Like, I know I have to accumulate three strikes, and, and I just want that to happen now. So let's, mm-hmm. get, let's get this fucking over with. Yeah. It was, uh, it was something to behold. Um, but, yeah, I like the Fernando – I'm buying that. Fernando Tatis will win an MVP by the end of 2020. Uh, Ramon Laureano is one of the 10 best outfielders overall in Major League Baseball. Thank you for acknowledging that. You buying or selling that? I'm buying that. I'm you buying are? I'm buying that. I'm buying that. As like, obviously, it's an early season. There's no way. No, there, there, there's a way. No, I'm saying uh, there's no way you're buying that. That's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's a, uh, he's a top. As we sit right now, I believe he's in the top five of every defensive statistical category for an outfielder. But yeah, there's no reason that Ramon Laureano. Look, he's he was first. I believe he was first in 2018 in center field assist. Second, I believe, in 2019, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's. How is he not? How, how is, <laughs> yeah, how is he not? I mean, and and the guy makes shit look easy on a level that we haven't seen in a long time. Like the home run that he robbed yesterday, Brian Goodwin. Mm-hmm. That was about as casual and ho hum of a robbery of a home run where a guy has to climb the wall and elevate and reach over the fence. He did that all like the first thing he checked when he landed the ground, Jared wasn't for the ball. It was like, is my hat on? (laughs) Make sure my hat didn't fall off. Like that's the kind of shit he does. The throws and you talk to base runners and I talked to a guy, I talked to guys on the angels about this because they are a first to third machine. That's just part of how they play the game. And I love every minute of it. The reason I asked them about Ramon Laureano is because I want to know who puts the fear of hitting the brakes into them. Meaning ball hit in the alley and they're on first. Maybe it's even to right center. Are you questioning whether or not you're picking up your third base coach and going to third? And the answer is like, no, not if it's hit to center field. Ramon Laureano's there. No, because we know, we know what that looks like. Not going to fucking happen. Jared, you got a front row seat to it last year, right? Literally. Um, I, I'm going to surprise some folks here because you knew you were going to get that answer from Dallas. You knew you were going to – I mean, like, if, if we're, we're up to him, he would probably say it's a, it's a top three field, like Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Ramon Laureano. Not in that not order. Mine. Your words, not mine. Uh, I'll put 
Put him in the top 10. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I will put him in the top 10. Where in that top 10? Somewhere somewhere down the bottom. That's fine. Um, but, but being a top 10 outfielder in baseball is... It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be. Um, Charlie Blackman will end the 2020 season hitting 400. I mean, he's staring 500 in the face, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and Colorado bodes well. I just don't know if Charlie Blackman, here's the thing, like with the whole runs, right? As the Rockies continue to go the way that they are, continue to beat the shit out of people, Mm -hmm. Charlie Blackman is That bullpen fucking got demolished yesterday though yikes charlie blackman is a big part of why they are having the success they're having and will have any success in a postseason pursuit so when his number starts to come up in game situations where he can either hurt you or you can avoid him then i have to think about what those numbers start to look like is Charlie Blackman being avoided to a point where he's not just, he's just not going to have the opportunity to continue a torrid pace that sees him stay in the neighborhood of 400. Or are we talking about Charlie Blackman finishing up in the 360, 370 range? Well, I what does like he have to do? It's, it's like he has to hit 360 the rest of the way to hit 400 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could, I could see, I mean, it's, he's got to hit 360, for like roughly 40 games, which is tough. I, I think he probably hits around like 390. Like he's going to hit like 380, 390. That's, that's what I said. I got him between 360 and 370. Yeah. Like I think he will make it interesting. I think the conversation of can he hit 400 will still be a thing when there's like three weeks to go. Yeah. I mean, it's 400 watch right now. Mm-hmm. And then we get into – is this real? Like, oh my, yeah. like, like right now you're just taking the temperature. Right now, if you didn't watch the ball game today, you would still check the box to see what Charlie Blackman did. Did he get another knock today? Did he? Because a couple overs in a row, like what he went over yesterday, right? The 15 game hitting streak comes to an end. That takes him down to almost 470 or whatever it is. So, a couple days like that can really bring you back down to earth and. Also think about the kind of shit he's going to be facing back into the bullpen. Like 95 plus with 90 plus mile an hour breaking shit is not an easy Mm. way to get to 400. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that like Charlie Blackman is one of those guys that, uh, oh, it's Coors Field and blah, blah, blah. Um, He he does hit significantly better at Coors Field. Not trying to take anything away from him. I'm saying in the the case of can he hit 400, uh, he's got quite the the uh, home field backing in in terms of being able to do that. Um, he does hit very well. Uh, Dylan Bundy, this dude has been. Uh, it's 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 about damn time, I guess. Is is more of the narrative for Dylan Bundy, a dude that had a lot of hype as a prospect. Uh, I don't remember like how high he was ranked as a prospect. I'd have to go look that up, but I know he was like a fucking big deal. Well, he wasn't um, one of one, right? He was like, uh, like, no, a he was four, fourth overall. There you go. Fourth overall. 
And now he's found himself a home with the Angels after five disappointing seasons with the Baltimore Orioles. And like, go figure, typical Orioles fashion. Like you have this super hype prospect, uh, becomes an absolute bust. And then he goes to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, formerly of California. And he's made four starts this year, 28 and two thirds innings. He's punched out 35 batters. And he's got a 1570 RA with a 063 yeah. whip. Um, not a lot of batters and the FIP, getting on the base here, against the FIP, 2.16 FIP. 2.16. So, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. But, uh, yeah, like I call it like half a run discrepancy. No, so, I, I, this I'm dude's totally the real okay deal. with that. Yeah. Well, you're talking about a 1.5 or whatever ERA and a 2.1 FIP. Yeah. Good with that. Totally yeah. good with that. Like it's it's not just an egregious wow. How is this guy having success? You can look at why, and I tried to look at why, and this is what I found. He's increased the usage of his slider, changeup, and curveball, as well as the sinker. Getting a little more love on the sinker. Getting away from the four seam fastball, which is kind of flying in the face of some of the adjustments we've seen some other guys across the league make. Get to that four-seam fastball. I'll spin it a curveball for the strikeouts. Um, but he's increased the spin rate on his sinker almost 100 RPMs or so, right around 100 RPMs. Um, the whiff rate on the slider is up to damn near 60%. It's at 58%, and that is up all the way from 48% last year. So is it real and is it sustainable? I think those are two of the biggest questions. And honestly, you can understand why when you look at the track record. So, yes, I think this is sustainable for Dylan Bundy because there is, I guess, proof in the pudding as to why he's having the success he has. He's enjoying the success with the sinker and he's developed that. He's enjoying the success with some swing and miss pitches. And he's developed that. He's enjoying that. And when you understand why you're getting the outs you're getting now, that's a big step from just getting those outs. Now he understands why. He understands how to go about it. And I think that is along the same lines as unlocking something, right? Like, oh, wow, I'm Garrett Cole. If I throw my four-seamer more at the top of the zone – I start to become damn near unhittable, not to mention my ability to move the ball around and, and make it dance. Now Dylan Bundy starts to find that out about himself. Oh, you know what? Maybe I don't need to ride this four-seamer. Maybe that's not how I'm going to get the best out of me. Maybe I do need to sink it and slide it and see if I can get some swing and miss and just weak contact, and, and, and maybe that'll help. And it has. It has, it has worked fucking wonders for him. So, I mean, like, I'm happy for the guy. Uh, I don't know that I'm entirely buying it. Uh, I'm definitely not buying the sub two. I think what I'll probably end up landing on is Dylan Bundy being a guy that has, like, a high nines, like a, like a two nine, I could see being a thing. I, I don't, I'm well, not going to have... Say, I was going to say, I could see him quietly settling in to a low to mid threes guy just kind of understanding that 
he's having success based on things he's learned right now. And there's always a moment where you take a step back because you're either being found out or figured out by the opponent. And you got to figure out how to work off of what you've just learned and what you've just developed. And that is the same thing as let's say a guy throws a split finger fastball and he's just developed it. Well, he's throwing the split finger fastball next year. He'll learn how to, or he will now know how to pitch with a split finger fastball, meaning he's not just throwing this with two strikes. Oh, two throwing the shit out of it, hoping to get the swing and miss. He might throw this pitch one, two or one, one to get himself back in the count, excuse me, and then throw the bastard one at one, two. He's learning how to pitch with it now. And Dylan Bundy could be at that point where he's learning how to pitch with this new approach. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. But I mean, again, if it's, it's not like, uh, it's not like Dylan Bundy's success should be that much of a surprise when you're, you are talking about a, a first round fourth overall draft pick. Like the potential was always there. Sometimes it is just a matter of, uh, having a change of scenery, going to a different organization that has a different line of thinking that can unlock certain things within you that gives you the keys to actually be successful with the tools that you've always possessed but didn't quite know how to use. Um, it's time, Jared. It's time for Dylan it time. Bundy. It's time for Dylan. Hey, speaking of it, is that a It is, actually. Let, let, me, uh, let me show you right here, Dallas, because this watch – I've never really been a watch guy I was, before. I was gonna say, I it was never really quite my thing. It was never something because, you know, my I got weak wrists. I got little wrists. Little wristed. See that? Oh. It's it's actually pretty it's pretty baller. It's one of those things where uh, you know, you're you can wear it on a date, you can wear it to work, you can wear it just chilling around the house. Vincero watches. Uh, I got to pick my own out. I, I mean, I, I like the simple. I like the simplicity of it. I like how it's lightweight. I, I used to wear a black watch that I got as a. Uh, I think it was like a graduation gift for. Yeah, I think it was a graduation gift. And uh, yay, baby, rocket! You did it. It's high school from mom and dad. We love you, buddy. Speaking of which, I think I think my mom's actually here. I pay I pay her to do my laundry. So let me go. Uh, I can, we can talk about Vincero watches as I'm going down the stairs to unlock the door so that Ellen can come in the apartment. I, I give her a nice little allowance. She comes in and she does my laundry. How does she not have a key? I only got one. Well, they make, you, can, you can make more than one. You can definitely make more than one, but it's a fob. It's not a key. It's like one of those, like, it's like a. Oh, yeah. Well, you just buy one. You just like a have hotel, to have it's like a hotel office. resort, Dallas. I have the front office give you another one. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to ask him about it. Um, but we are partnering with Vincero Watches, and we could not be more excited. Finding a watch that's stylish, bold, built to last can cost a pretty penny, but Vincero Watches is changing that, which is what I said. That was what I said in the beginning. I was like, "All right, well, I'd like a nice watch, but I can't just like dump my bank account out for a nice watch." Vincero watches, they believe that you deserve to look good no matter your budget. And Vincero creates exceptionally crafted watches that do it without breaking the bank. 
The guys over on their team sent us watches, and let me tell you, they are stunning. Right now, Vincero is running a site-wide sale to celebrate their sixth anniversary, and this will not, not only be the biggest sale of the year, but the biggest sale in Vincero history. Oh, shit. Up to 30% off site-wide, and yeah. you don't need a promo code, by the way. Usually, we hook you up with the promo code. You don't need one because the whole site is 30% off. Your discount will be automatically applied. At checkout when you visit VinceroWatches.com slash starting. Everything on the site, again, is on sale. No exclusions, including all four of their all-new collections are all available. Regardless of any situation, it's always important to look and feel your best. The age-old saying, look good, feel good, play good. Vincero makes it their mission to make you feel your best because when you do, you can do anything. And that's why Vincero has over... 23,000 five-star reviews from verified customers that you can read yourself on their site. No one takes quality as seriously as Vincero. They think you deserve the best. There will always be an occasion where you want to really impress and your smartwatch combo just won't cut it. We've all got jobs we need to be polished for. Dates, anniversaries, weddings. All call for a man to wear a nice timepiece. So don't overpay for a watch that looks cheap and disappoints. Go shop Vincero's biggest sale of the year. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com forward slash starting and take advantage of this opportunity. Don't you dare pay full price at checkout. This is a buy you will not regret. Love that. Jay, hey! We don't have Jay, hey. We do have two questions. We do have Twitter questions and Reddit questions. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Down piece, huh? Yeah, there is a, there's a little bit of both. Um, How are we going to do it? You want to alternate reading them? Um, to be honest with you, I'm trying to find them. I know that... Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Yeah, go right ahead. While you're searching for them. Yeah, I thought I'll I had those here. pulled up there. But yeah, go ahead. Would the Pirates, <laughs> damn it, would the Pirates be a legitimate competitor? All right, you know what? Fuck you, whoever what, sent this in. What's the question, Dallas? Finish the question. What, what's would the, the question? Pirates be a legitimate competitor if they had kept Glasnow, Meadows, and re-signed Garrett Cole slash Charlie Morton slash <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon? You know what? You know what, you, you miserable asshole? Whoever sent, you, you, you're a dickhead. That's all I can say at this point. Like earmuffs for the parents who are letting their kids live. Mm-hmm. You're a dickhead. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a valid question. Um, would the Pirates be good if they had a bunch of really, really good players? I think so. I think that's fair to make that assessment. Um, sure. Tyler Glasnow goes tonight. Garrett Cole goes on Friday. Austin Meadows homered last night. Whew. Who else are we missing? Oh, Andrew McCutcheon. He's out there making great catches, giving balls to the fans in the stands. Yeah, man, the Pirates would be one hell of a team if they actually had good players that they used to have, but now they don't. Yeah, I also feel that way. I feel like if you were to keep like guys that have like Hall of Fame futures and shit like that around on your ball club, and I feel like you probably win some games, and yeah, I feel hmm. like, fuck off. Yeah, it definitely helps to have good players, no doubt. It's trash. All right. Who then, Jared, will end yep. up having the best statistical career? It's all said and done between 
Ronnie Acuna, Juan Soto on Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Who will have the better career? Statistically speaking. Statistically speaking. That's right. So blind taste test, their career lines up in front of you. You end up selecting this individual because they have a better career. I think we're probably going to be on the same page with this. You have to go Soto. I mean, like that's, you're not going Soto? You're not? Are you? You have to. You have to. You are. That's the answer. Yeah, you have to go Soto. Yeah. Yeah. I go yeah. Soto because, well, t- t- well, here, you tell me why Soto first. Um, I mean, it's, it's more just like, if he's already this good at this age, mm-hmm. which is statistically better than Tatis and Acuna, not like by a huge margin by any means, but if he's already this good at this age, what is he going to look like in those prime years? Like, how do you take it to the next level when you're already this good? Um, and I do buy into the idea that Juan Soto is a player that will continue to chase greatness. Like, we've seen players that – like uh, Yasiel Puig, perfect example. Bursts onto the scene. Everyone's like, holy shit, this dude's unbelievable. And then where did it go? Like, I don't think that we're going to be having that same conversation about Juan Soto in five years. Like, I think we're going to have the conversation of, like, what cap is this guy wearing into the Hall of Fame someday? Right. And, and I feel that same way because it's already been talked about. I always I, I go back to the interview that Poppy did when he's talking about this kid knows how good he is right now. And it took me, David Ortiz, a while to be comfortable with being confident that I was that good at that age. He was like, I didn't, I was almost 30 when I started tasting myself on that level. And Juan Soto right now has got three scoops of Juan Soto right in front of him. (laughs) He's tasting every bit of it. And he Mm -hmm. should because he knows it's the best fucking flavor in town. Um, Yeah. That is why. And, and and he is also a guy who I talk about guys who get breaded up. Which way do you go? Are you content? Or is it now like you just become a man possessed? And I hope we see him become obsessed with greatness. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving right along, kind of along that same vein. We have just gotten out of our hot tub time machine, Jared, and we've cleared the dust, wiped the sleep from our eyes. Who is now? The face of baseball in the year 2025. 2025. Damn. Um, so as we've as we've discussed before, you don't have to be the best player in baseball to be the face of baseball because love him to death. And then it's not even really like a, a knock. Like he would admit the same thing. Ken Griffey Jr. was the face of baseball, was never the best player in baseball during the time that he was active. Like he was, he played at the same time as bonds. He was never the best player in baseball. Um, but you can be the, the face of baseball as long as you have that it factor, that cool factor. Like Mike Trout, not the best. I mean, like not the face of baseball. Some, some might make that, that case that, you know, Mike Trout's the face of baseball just because he's the best. I don't, I don't sink with that line of thinking. I think if Aaron judge 
could stay on the fucking field, he would be the face of baseball. No problem. Like we had the, we had the whole discussion back in 2017 when he went off at the home run derby and we're like new face of baseball right there. Like that's the guy, like everyone, Twitter's going nuts. The internet's going nuts. Like Aaron judge face of baseball. And then it kind of falls off because you don't follow up. Like you're like you, like a face of baseball has to be a consistent, great performer who also has the it factor, who also has that, uh, that drive to be the face of baseball. You have to want it because Mike Trout has told you he doesn't want it. He doesn't care. He's like, my job is to show up and play baseball. That's all I'm really worried about. That's all I'm going to do. And he does it very well, better than anyone on planet earth. So that's why I think, even though we've just taken that crop of Tatis, Soto, Acuna, and we acknowledge that Soto will probably have the best career of them all. And I still think that Soto himself has a case for being the face of baseball in 2025. There's but I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. There's a guy in that right conversation that, that gives you, he gives you the war and fuzzies, doesn't there's, he? There's a guy in that conversation that when he does something, it does something to me. And that man is Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I could, I would be very happy, very satisfied if, in 2025, if we were all sitting here being like, yeah, like, you know, like Juan Soto is the best player in baseball, but like Fernando Tatis Jr. is obviously the face of baseball. Like, look at this fucking guy. Like, look, look, especially, I think he has an even stronger case if he does sign that extension with the Padres because there is something oh, yeah. to oh, no that doubt. like, like, this is my team. Icon I'm a God. franchise player here. Yes. And go. go, like, if, if he reaches free agency, and he signs with the Yankees and he's just like another great player on a team of great players. Like that hurts your ability to be the face of baseball. And I know that like with Griffey, it's like he was on a team with A-Rod and Randy Johnson. And it's like, but those guys were in and out. Like Griffey was the, the well, constant. The Gri- Griffey's fucking cool. Randy Johnson was a freak because he's eight feet tall throwing a thousand. Yeah. How do you feel about A-Rod though? Piece of shit. <laughs> Dean Griffey Jr. Was amazing at baseball. Amazing with the kids. Yeah. Amazing in every facet. Like he was just so fucking cool. He was too he is literally too cool for school. Yeah. Like, period. You know who else is though? Fernando Tatis Jr. He is. He really he is. is. He is. The way he pimps homers. I mean, like it's I just him. I think I think Coley made the point the other day. Like Fernando Tatis Jr. could hit a home run to make it 10-3 Dodgers, and it would still feel like the Padres just took the lead. Well, it just it, – and, Jared, they are fucking bombs. Thanks. They are bombs. Like, he's not some middle-of-the-infield guy who's just going to, like, pepper 15 or 20, and maybe one or two of them are going to leave you that awe factor, that jaw dropper. Yeah. No. He's no. hitting balls – into like the third deck and fucking peck. Like you just, you don't even go there. Like they don't no. even have concession stands up there because people no. don't even spin type up there. I mean, that's, fucking- that's the one that fucking Soto hit last night. It, oh his God. first of two, it was in like the 15th deck and it went over that. And then also, by the way, you know, let me, let me see if you agree with this because you will obviously have a unique perspective on this marketing the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how to market the game of baseball. We've talked about blackouts. We've talked about players having personality, players being able to be themselves. What type of role 
do you think broadcasters play in all of this? Because yesterday, Miguel Sano hit a home run that basically fucking went over the slide at, at Miller Park. And the home run call was like, there it goes. And uh, wow, that one, that one went pretty far. And geez, like if, like if you're going to, if I'm going to take that clip and I'm going to share it and I'm going to post like all caps being like, holy shit, Miguel Sano, blah, blah, blah. Like you want, you like, you're going to, it's going to catch your eye because I, I'm, I'm tweeting it in all caps. So you're gonna be like, oh shit, this must be exciting. And then you click on it and the broadcasters call is essentially the equivalent of the fucking masters and like a fucking like a birdie putt like cool dude i feel like that's one of the things that we never talk about in terms of like growing the game marketing the game is wake some of these fucking broadcasters up holy shit jared you know what's funny man is as the game has evolved and analytics and metrics have found their way into baseball and how players are evaluated and assessed and ultimately their value is determined that can be said for broadcasting as well. Um, are you getting eyeballs on your program, on your team? For the most part, it has zero to do with you, and it has everything to do with how good your team is. From there, you start to wonder, well, are you able to attract or keep fans of the opposing team engaged to your broadcast? Should you be the only one available to them, or are they – are they happier just watching it on game day as opposed to listening to the game? So, and I had this interaction with a fan the other day because I have received some very thoughtful and very appreciative text messages and or DMs and stuff. Just, hey, you know, I'm a fan of the Angels, but I watch your broadcast because you give so much love to the Angels players and I like guys on your team and you talk about them as well. So I just... I enjoy watching that. You're not just a homer. I know you're a homer, and I know that before I even turn the TV on. Mm -hmm. But I know that you're going to tell me, and like this individual was talking, he was like, you talked about Andrelton Simmons for like 15 minutes about how how great he is. And like Marcus Simeon was a guy who got robbed of a gold glove and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, let me stop you there. I feel like he got robbed, but I'm also realistic, and I understand that Andrelton Simmons plays shortstop in the American League. So I'm not, you know. So yes, to your to your question, there is a responsibility, at least in my opinion, to be painting the picture with maybe even more vibrant color that the fan can see for themselves. Because you're excited about what just happened. Yeah. And if you can, it almost like took away from it. Like I saw the fucking the like the follow through and then the fact that you couldn't see where the ball landed. I was like, this call is gonna be crazy. And then it's just like, oh wow, that was that was he really hit that one. And uh I don't even know where that came down. It's like, yeah. what are you doing, dude? Like, come on. Like the fact that there's no fans, like I think that's the big, like the, there's more responsibility on broadcasters this year than any other season in baseball history because there are other moments where the fans are the call. Like the, the crowd going absolutely deafening because of how far a baseball was hit. And then it's almost like the broadcaster kind of lets it breathe and you might just be like, you can get away with letting it breathe and just being like, wow, like that's the call. That's like, and and it, it, right. it's it because the fans tell the story for you. But when you don't have the fans, now you have more responsibility to fill in the gap. And in the ninth inning, big, big punch out looming, whatever it is, 
that's typically when you let it breathe. Like you said, mm-hmm. you lay out, let the crescendo do all of the stage setting for you. Let, let that be it. But that's not where we're at right now. That's not what we have available. So, yes, it is absolutely. And I think, and I'll even take it a step farther. I think regional broadcasters, not only one, should take it the responsibility, but is your responsibility to inform your fan base of just how good the other team is because you want your fans to appreciate their players, right? You want to know how good Matt Chapman is? I'll tell you, but I want you to be able to compare it to a guy on the other side of the field who's as good, maybe even better in some areas. And I want you to understand that so that when you see Chappie do what he does and then you see the guy across from him do what he does, you have a full appreciation. And maybe, like today when the A's have an off day, you might be inclined to follow that player that we were just talking about the day before. And that's my job. That's my responsibility as a lover, as a keeper of the game, as somebody who is growing the game. That is a responsibility. And it's, it's one that I am afforded. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor. But there's work to be done. There is work to be done if it's fucking yesterday that we're still getting home run calls like that. And I don't mean to like put like one broadcaster or broadcast team on blast. It was just that that was the one that really stuck out to me. It's definitely not the only broadcast that is, is guilty of going full PGA on a monster home run call. I'll, I'll say this too, Jared. You know where I sit in Oakland. And I'm I'm no longer directly behind home plate, but I'm still I am I am the only one. So out of the 30 other color guys who do this job, I'm the only one in baseball who is exposed out on the field to what's going on. So the yeah. players they can hear everything I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying okay. And when the A's hit a home run and the pound town call is coming. Well, the players the pitcher now, can hear that. Well, no, the pitcher can absolutely hear it. But now, Jared, because the A's players, some of the bench players are up in the stands, the bullpen, the starters, they're up in the stands. They all just stand up and they're looking directly at me because yeah. they're waiting for the call. They're right. waiting for it. And now I start to break down the pitch, you know, like it's a hanging slider or whatever. Oh, he's, and I go through the call and then. They hear it, and I say, pack your bags, and they fucking stand up <laughs> all aboard, and they start waving their hands, and then it's like, <laughs> next stop, and then you can hear them say it, pow, town. <laughs> like, that's not happening in any other environment, right? No. And the opposing team now, when they hit a home run, they will all, like, I've had them, I've seen them creep out to the top step now. We're like four or five guys, and they'll give me you no know, hand to the ear, like, hey, let's fucking hear it. Yeah. I don't say anything, and they're they're throwing their hands up like, what's up? What's <laughs> up? No love. And, you know, they're, they're giving me shit. They're having fun with it. But that's the kind of environment that can be created by somebody who gives a shit about what they're seeing and cares about it to a level where, I mean, it's probably, it's a level of sickness for me because I don't control it, and I just, like, I damn near fly out of the back of my chair anytime something cool happens on a baseball field, and I have right. to, like, you know, hit the button that doesn't let me make noise and gather my shit. Little, little cough button action. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, but but that's just that's just my thoughts on it. I'm gl- I'm glad that you kind of see it the same way that like as a broadcaster, you do have a responsibility to like you should be thinking the same way that Trevor Bauer is thinking in in the sense that I'm going to punch someone out, but I'm also going to try to create a moment that is going to go viral on Twitter. And as a broadcaster, you should be thinking like this home run deserves a call that's going to only add to not take away from its viral potential on social media. And I know that that's like maybe the, some of the older guys that just aren't on social media or they don't care or they've, they've put in their time as a broadcaster. And it's like, yeah, fuck it. Like I'm retiring in three, four years. What the fuck do I care if baseball survives or not? Uh, yeah. But like the younger, like that's why there needs to be the same way that there's new blood on the field and there's younger, there's no, younger writers that are now starting to vote for the Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens of the world in in that regard. Like some of these fucking cookie cutter ass broadcasting school broadcasters that just, they talk like this and it's the three, one pitch. Like that's not like, I get that that's what you were taught in broadcasting school, but that's not what's going to resonate with the exact demographic that you're trying to attract. It's not like we need to adjust like guys like you guys like Dennis Eckersley where they just, they know the game and I'm not even saying that they have to be former players. They just have to be someone that you know, the game, you know, the ins and outs of it, you know, the people down on the field and you talk to the fans, not like a robot. You talk to the fans, how you would talk to them. If you were just, you two just chilling in the dugout talking shop about baseball. Like that's what's going to connect with those people. What should never come across is your anger, displeasure, disdain for the game or whatever it is. Have your opinion, have your frustrations, but Jared, you know what I say to every player we sit down with for the very first time or who might have any apprehension about what we do, how we do it is, and, and I said this to uh, Taylor Trammell. Yeah. When, when I said, look, man, we are here to blow you. Yeah. Like we're and, here to make you look good. And they always look at me like, yo, what? And I'm like, no, yes, that's exactly what I mean. I want fans to walk away with a better taste in their mouth from you than they did when you showed up. And mm-hmm. that's, that's our job. That's why I wake up in the morning. That's why we interview the guys that we do. And that's why we try to give the content that we try to give is because that's what fans deserve. And as a broadcaster, I would much rather you walk away with an appreciation for who Alex Bregman is, as opposed to having a stronger hatred for the man because of what transpired. That's my job. You're going to hate him all you want. That's fine. You need to appreciate the fucking athlete. You need to appreciate what these guys are capable of. And it doesn't matter what uni they're wearing. And that's literally, I mean, I, I, it's, it's one of the greatest compliments that we can get. And we've gotten it with some of the most polarizing figures in the sport where we've got it with Bregman. We got it with Bryce Harper. We continue to get it with three-time guest Trevor Bauer. Go back and listen to the last episode, 185. Uh, Trevor Bauer was on this week where it's like, huh, I didn't really think about that player that way. Like I used to think this about him or I used to just not like him in general. I had this perception of him that I now know was incorrect because I listened to you guys talk to them as a human being in a setting where they were not guarded. And it's, so, and it's, and it's not an easy, it's not an easy tightrope to walk when you think about the conversations that we've just had with Zach Plesak and you know, about Mike Clevenger 
as you guys know, these are dudes that I fucking cooked dinner for. Yeah. Spring training. Like we still got to put that interview out by the way. Right. And you know, how do we have those conversations about guys that we like guys that we're rooting for guys that we pull for? Yeah. You got to have them. They're on as they were breaking bread with, right. they welcome, they welcomed us into their spring training homes, had dinner with us and chilled with us. And now we also just have to be like, uh, you shouldn't have done that. That was really stupid. Right. Yeah. And, 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 but that's what, that's part of the rapport that you look to build is they have that trust in you. They know that you're going to shoot your arrow as straight as possible. And hopefully it always hits the target being you, the fans appreciating them. And then you, the fans deserving to hear opinions on real life shit. Yeah. What's next? Ah, uh, a couple more. Stro show. Where oh. does the Stro show go? Mm. Where does he go? Where do you think he fits? I think, I honestly think, I mean, we're now at the point where, the universal DH is probably here to stay. I don't think that the uh, the National League will ever have pitchers hit again. But I do think that if they did have the DH, that he would for sure be more inclined to sign with a National League team because he likes the challenge of being able to hit. Uh, I want to say he hit a homer in Atlanta. It was an oppo bomb. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he enjoys that challenge. But now that that's not a thing, uh, you kind of just look for who has a need for starting pitching. And, well, that's everybody. Um, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know wh- what that market's going to look like. I don't know if you're sitting if you're the, to the south side. You think so? Why not? Uh, Why not, Jared? Why they're kind of like I don't want to say that they're set, but I mean like they have invested. Like I would rather I would rather what, what, G- Gio Gonzalez. Uh, that's my boy. That's yeah. my boy. You're going to have to replace that guy. Yeah, you're going to have to. But I don't know if if for the money that it's going to cost, like you're talking about an organization, a franchise that I wasn't Yasmani Grandal, the most lucrative contract they've ever handed out in franchise history. But we're here now, but we're here now. They're spending that money. Now they're identifying. And this is look, and there was a good conversation. Would Yasmani Grandal have netted the money he did if we had robot umpires, which would essentially eliminate a lot of the value of a Grandal with this pitch framing capability where does a guy like that fit in? He fits in with a young staff that needs direction. And he Marcus, mashes. And Marcus Stroman is a guy who could solidify that young rotation with some veteran presence really another year down the road, and you're not talking about a super young rotation anymore. You're talking about guys who are ready to start taking heads. But with, with the White Sox, I understand your point that, like, they have spent the money, like, signing Dallas Keuchel. That was big. Signing Yasmani Grandal. That's big. But – there is a cap to what they're able to spend and agree or disagree. What, what would be the first priority signing a free agent contract with Marcus Stroman or extending securing the uh, many years of service with Lucas Giolito as part of your team? Uh, I would have to go and look and see where Giolito is at in ARB. Like how many more years do I have? because that that matters if he's a couple years away then obviously i have to start game planning for that but where's he at right now i think he's still got what three more years of team control let's find out i mean if it's three four years of team control like no man we're not entertaining that right now lucas giolito um he is um 
He's not eligible for arbitration until 2021, uh, and he reaches free agency so, in 2024. Yeah, so that's, again, that's four years of controllability right now, and there's a lot that can happen between now and then. Like, Giolito went from, like, man, I really hope this guy can unlock the potential there to looks like he just unlocked the potential there, and that looks like a completely different animal than the one before. And in four years, you never know. You, you just don't know. So I pay attention to making that entire group stronger during that time. How do we do that? You give them some support. Who can represent that? A guy like Marcus Stroman. Yeah. I mean, your guess is as good as mine where he ends up, I think. Uh, maybe the Braves. Um, I could see him being a fit there. They need uh, – I, I don't think that he would be an ace in Atlanta. But, you know, you lose a guy like Fulty, who is kind of like that top three at, you know, the full potential, kind of kind of serving the same role that he did with the Mets, where it's like, all right, we got DeGrom. If healthy, we got Syndergaard. Then we can do like a mix of like Stroman and whatever else that we got. Stroh, I mean, that's why Stroh back to the Mets can't necessarily be ruled out. I know people are thinking Dallas after what happened, after how that went down. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, it's not that it's not that I don't think the Mets I, I don't I'm not because entirely... he represents the same thing that you just talked about could you imagine no, for sure a healthy for sure Cindergard, a healthy Mats a healthy DeGrom with a healthy yeah. Stroman like fuck yeah. that's why you went and got him is because right. you know what that would look like if it all pans out I'm just reading between the lines like on his exit like he kind of he did not leave too much interpretation there where it's like, yeah, all right, see you later Mets. Like I'm going on a free agency and I don't expect you to be the team that I end up signing with. Um, it really did feel that way to me. So uh, I'm sure the Mets will be interested. I'm sure that they will be in the mix. Do I think that they're the favorite? No. Do I think that that'll be the landing spot? No. Um, but I, I don't know that I have like a clear cut favorite landing spot yet at this juncture for Marcus Stroman. Are the Cubs World Series contenders. Are they legitimate World Series contenders? I mean, best record in baseball. How can you not be? I think, you know, I, I think we've gotten to the point now where you've shaken out some of the pretenders. Not where the like, most wins in baseball, but the best record at this point. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. What are the Oakland A's? Are the most wins? Oh, let me check. Yep, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think you've kind of, the only team that's kind of floating around where you're still maybe not 100% sure if they're for real or not, I think they are, is the Rockies. Um, I think the Dodgers haven't played to their full potential yet. They're, I, you know, the cream's going to rise to the crop there. Right? Is that what that fuck? The cream yes, will rise cre- to the yeah, cream yeah. always rises to the top. To the top. To the top. The, and crop. I said the, the cream of the crop. They are the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop will rise to the top. That's right. Boom. Yep. Boom. Uh, I, I still think the Dodgers haven't played their best baseball yet, and they will. Uh, but are the Cubs a, are they a contender for sure? I think it's, it's the, the answer to the question is much different. If you're like the Cubs have the best record in baseball right now, are they the best team in baseball? Well, let's, no. just, let's just ask this question. Do the Cubs get through the Braves in a seven gamer? Do the Cubs get through yeah. the Dodgers in a seven gamer? Don't know. And and that's a third-place team right now. And do we say that about the Rockies as well? Don't know, or do you feel like the Cubs have that one wrangled? 
I like that matchup I a like lot. That matchup a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like that matchup a lot. That's like Marquez, you, Freeland, like, like you put Hendricks. those two in a cage and come back in a half hour, and they could both be dead. Yeah, they could both be alive, still fighting. They could both be gone. Like you yeah. have no idea. Yeah, like Lester Quintana. Like if you have like, I like the fact that both bullpens are not like if you were to power rank rotation. Uh, offense pitching or bullpen rather um, I, you got to think that both teams bullpen is their third is not their strength correct <laughs> so I, I like that I like that as a potential postseason matchup if we have Rockies Cubs which was Rockies, the, Cubs, the D- oh, Rockies, 2018 Cubs, wildcard game rematch right yeah that was when Freeland fucking stuck it to him yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, that would right, be last, that'd be a fun little matchup. We'll see. Last question: uh, Has Dallas seen season five of Last Chance U? Yes, I have. With the city of Oakland being a central character, I would love to hear his thoughts, reactions on how it was portrayed, and if any of the athletes' stories resonated with him. Yes, they do. And uh, Coach Boom—is that what his name is? Um, Dude's been there for 40 fucking years at Laney College. That is junior college life in a nutshell. Not only last chance you, but that's why the baseball aspect of junior college is so intriguing and would be jaw-dropping for people to realize. Because I think a lot of people were shocked when they find out that all those kids there, they're not on scholarship. They're not getting money to play football in this school. A lot of those kids, some of those kids live in my hometown. Stockton, California. Why? It's an hour and 10 minutes or whatever from the city. Why are they doing that? Because of their financial hardships, because of a a lot of struggles that they're going through. I did the same thing. I lived an hour and a half away from my junior college. Uh, But representative of the community, yes. Representative of the struggles that the community is facing, yes. Um, But I think very emblematic of the spirit of that community, which is you could throw the biggest pile of shit on top of us and think we're just going to succumb to the smell. And that's not the case. We're going to flush all that bullshit and be as pristine as potable toilet water can be. And that's how folks think about Oakland. Ah, some shitholes. No, no. A lot of culture, a lot of character between Oakland and Stockton. We're talking about two of the last places on earth, Jared, where the men are still made of iron and it's the ships that are made of wood. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, do we have any final thoughts here, Dallas Brin? Um, nope. It's my fucking birthday and I ain't doing a goddamn thing. I've been drinking since <laughs> fucking, I think eight, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Good for you. I deserve it. You, de- you do deserve it. It's uh, it's your birthday. You've um, you've had quite the the run to this point. I feel like you've got you've got a lot way a lot longer to go in terms of what you'd like to accomplish. But uh, the path, the path, Dallas to this point, it's taken us here. It feels like just the beginning, doesn't it? It does. It does. Check out Bauer Bites if you want to hear some more on like growing the game of baseball, some of the things that we touched upon uh, in this particular podcast, Dallas, myself, the Biebs, Shane Bieber, 
Uh, you also had Alex Wood there and you had Trevor Bauer as part of a roundtable discussion that we filmed back in Feb- February, March, February, March, February, February. Okay. Uh, right before the pandemic really fucked us pretty good. Uh, it was right before then. I was so happy. I was so happy around that time. Um, but yeah, go check that out. It's on the momentum YouTube page. It's about a half an hour. Really good watch. Uh, check that out and yeah. Happy birthday, Dallas. Appreciate you. Yeah. Ellen say happy birthday to Dallas. Ellen say happy birthday to Dallas. Yeah, talk to me, sweetie. That <laughs> a girl. Yeah, she's in a she's in a trance. She's she's a big social media girl. She's looking at her tweets. She's popular. I think she almost has like two thousand followers on Twitter, which is every, that's my favorite chirp. Whenever some fucking loser like uh, tweets at me, I'm like, dude, my mom has like six times the Twitter followers that you have. Like, come talk to me when you have more followers than my mom. Ellen's bringing that heat. The Bruins, there's nothing, nothing gets by her. Nothing yeah. gets by her. Nothing. Absolute gem. Um, that's it. I mean, for, for a podcast where we, when did we drop the episode 185? Was that on like Tuesday or Monday? Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, for like two days, another, another almost three hour piece. Suck it. You're welcome. Eat up. Who's hungry? Uh, no, another three hours with no guests. <laughs>